Welcome to Mintcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 410, recorded on Sunday, April 16th, 2023. Glad to be back. I'm Bill. Still killing it. I'm Joe. Worrying along mindlessly. I'm Moss. And I'm Majid, and I'm atypical, but not an atheist. <laughs> Super duper. First up in the news, Mint Monthly News, March 2023, Ubuntu 23.04 beta released, updates in Tumbleweed, last 16.04 based Ubuntu touch rollout, Linux Lite 6.4 released, Cosmic DE updates, OpenBSD 7.3 and FreeBSD 13.2 announced, big changes in Firefox 113, Molvad announces their own browser, and Solus sets sail once again. In security and privacy, Cody leaks. Then in our wanderings, Bill catches up. Moss has more drive. Joe is such a, such prince. a prince. Like prince as in... Oh, okay, I get a little play on words there. Maj Majid iPads in. In our wandering sec section, we meet our new co-hosts. Well, uh, only one of them. Yeah. And finally, the feedback and a couple of suggestions. Who wants the first one? I picked my articles already. It's you guys. Oh, I have to pick them? Mm. You do I the first one, I'll do the second one. Okay. First one's short. Uh, okay, so in the news... Mint Monthly News, March 2023. Just a day too late to be included on our last episode, Clem talks about the upcoming changes to theming and other visual changes planned for Mint 21.2, Victoria, which can be expected around the end of June or beginning of July. And there's a link in the show notes to the Switch to Linux video. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Ubuntu 2304 beta released with new features. This is from 9to5Linux. Ubuntu 23.04 will be one of the few Ubuntu releases to include some of the latest and greatest GNU Linux technologies and software. For example, it comes with the recently released GNOME 44 desktop environment for the Ubuntu Desktop Edition, which comes with an updated Ubuntu font, and it's powered by the latest Linux 6.2 kernel series for top-notch hardware support. The Ubuntu Desktop Edition also includes a brand new installer that has been in development for the past year, and it's written entirely in Google's Flutter UI SDK. The new installer is pretty much identical in functionality to the old installer from previous Ubuntu releases, with the exception that it doesn't yet support ZFS installations. But all is not lost, as there will be a legacy ISO available for download that ships with the old installer. For those of you who want to install Ubuntu 23.04 with ZFS, talking about extra ISOs, Ubuntu 23.04 will also feature not one, not two, but three new official Ubuntu flavors, namely Ubuntu Unity, Ubuntu Cinnamon, and Edubuntu. 
Now, I know that there aren't there a couple other official flavors that are already out there, so they're not included in that list. I think this well, is those the, are the, these new the ones. three new yeah. ones, although okay. to be fair, it's not really three new, it's two new and one return because Edgy Ubuntu used to be there maybe what seven, eight years ago. Well, well Ubuntu Unity actually came in the last uh version, so and Ubuntu Cinnamon has been around for a while, it's just it's not the first time it's it been official. official. Yeah. yeah. And because Ubuntu as is I understand actually, it, when they become an official flavor, they get a lot more support from canonical use of servers and things like this. Am I mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Yes. And they also have to get rid of their flat pack integration right out of the box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and have snap integration <laughs> yeah. in the box. Which, whatever. Well, I'll do this one, but uh, GNOME is not my thing. Oh, well. GNOME oh, curl and LLVM update in Tumbleweed from OpenSUSE.org. This week in OpenSUSE Tumbleweed, we had both enormous and single-package snapshots. A new GNOME compiler tools and music player updates arrived this week, along with a ton of other packages. The snapshot 2023-0329 provided an update of Mesa 23.0.1, which fixed some bugs from its major release. Sandboxing tool for Flatpak and similar projects had an update. BubbleWrap 0.8.0 added a dash dash disable dash user NS option to prevent the sandbox from creating its own nested user namespace. Fixes for recent glibs warnings were made in the Libos tree 2023.2 update. A 1.3 release of FWUPD-EFI had a few fixes for ARM devices and fixed a regression. A few packages arrived in snapshot 2023.0328. The XFS utilities package XFS progs was among the updates. The 6.2.0 version now has a command that can retrieve the UUID of mounted file systems and has a fix for broken real-time free block unit conversions. A major version of the compiler and tool chain LLVM brought Clang compiler tools. One of these tools is used to detect locally available GPUs by the Clang OpenMP driver. Another standalone tool determines which headers are used by the existing functionality in ClangD, file synchronization tool Unison 2.53.2 improves stopping of update propagation, and Fuse 3 3.14.1, which is the interface for user space programs to export a file system to Linux kernel, no longer has flags available that were introduced in 3.14, but will likely be reintroduced in the next release. And my screen just jumped. Um, a few new other packages were updated in the snapshot. Okay. Uh, what happens? The snapshot from the day prior wasn't much bigger. Snapshot 202.30.326 updated two packages. One GNOME package received its second update this week. GNOME Music updated from its release candidate, which arrived in snapshot 2023.0324 to version 44. The music application for GNOME users made a small change with app data for the 44.0 release. Another of the project's packages that was updated was gobject-introspection 1.76.1. This package updated documentation and the handle null default values. A major update of xwayland 23.1.0 took care of some regressions in snapshot 2023.0325. It also improved rootful mode for using xwayland as a nested x server. An update of PHP 8.1.17 fixed some incorrect check conditions and a memory leak. The libstorage-ng package had some cleanup and propagated the failure of the snapper installation helper with the 4.5.87 update. There were a couple of time zone packages updated in the snapshot related to changes surrounding daylight savings. 
Egypt now uses daylight savings again, and Morocco will move the clocks forward April 23rd rather than April 30th. <clears throat> Pro tip, Moss, click somewhere on the... I did. Yeah. I, I muted my mic, so that will not be on the audacity. No, that's uh, not what I was going to say. Oh, no, no. He was oh. talking about the screen jumping. Yeah, if oh. you click on the page that you're reading, it'll think that you're wanting to stay there, and it'll stay okay. I'm hearing some keyboard noise, but not mine. Um, let's see. KDE Music Player Amarok fixed the crash and added support for FFmpeg 5.0 with a minor version bumps. A 4.18.0 Samba update provided server message block performance improvements and a new WB info tick tick change dash secret dash at option. A few other packages updated in the snapshot. Snapshot 2023-0324 was enormous in size. GNOME 44 was released in this snapshot, and the Kuala Lumpur code name release didn't disappoint. A new grid view is available with the use of GTK4. However, some apps use some apps may use. However, some apps may still use the previous version. The device security that was introduced in the previous version gains a new status view as either checks failed or checks passed or protected. The accessibility setting had a redesign, and the sound setting gained a number of polish improvements. Another new major version in the snapshot was curl 8.0.1. It fixed the crash, added Fortran bindings, and took care of more than a few common vulnerabilities and exposures. One of those was CVE 2023-275-38 that uses that reuses a previously connected ah, that reuses a previously created connection even when an SSH-related option had been changed, which should have prohibited reuse. Several regressions and the handling of G-file info attributes were made with the GLib 2 2.76.1 update. An update of ImageMagic 7.1.1.3 reverted some changes due to file conflicts, and the version build aids with AVX2 and enables the HW Caps library for x86-64-v3. So try a zipper INR if you have v3 hardware. LibreOffice reverted some patches and had a Harf Buzz text shaping fix. Several other packages updated in the snapshot included GDK3 3.24.37, GVFS 1.50.4, SQLite 3.41.2, WebKit 2 GTK3 2.40.0, and many more. Okay, so Ubuntu Touch OTA25, right? Last version based on 16.04 has been rolled out. This is from 9to5linux.com. The Reports Foundation released today the Ubuntu Touch OTA 25 update for the supported Linux phones and tablets as the late, last version based on Ubuntu 16.04 Xenial Xerus operating system series. This is now rolling out to supported devices as the last software update with Ubuntu 16.04 based bringing some minor improvements like on-screen keyboard, vibration optimizations on wallet phone devices, emblem counters and then messages basically for the dialer and messaging app, as well as WebDroid install and setup improvements. OTA25 also brings persistent notifications when the urgency status is set to critical and other improvements to notifications like support for more than two lines for the notification text, improves date-time picker visibility when using the SUI dark theme, and re-enables support for pinning favorites in the dialer app. On top of that, this release includes a patched Qt web engine with the latest security updates applied, an updated channel selector that now offers ordering of update channels from 16.04 to 20.04, and support for displaying version numbers as well as various minor fixes. 
check out the release announcements for more details. Those of you who use Ubuntu Touch on your devices and haven't yet upgraded to the OTA ones released based on Ubuntu 20.04 Focal Fossa can install OTA 25 update right now to enjoy the improvements mentioned above. However, it is highly recommended to upgrade to Ubuntu Touch OTO, OTA 1.20.04 as soon as possible. This is the last OTA for Ubuntu 16.04. There will be no further OTAs in this channel unless the catastrophic events forces to do so, is what Ubisoft ports have said on their website. Ubuntu 20.04 Focal is already shipping the first OTA, mainly for testing for how the upgrading works, but this is where the future lies. It continues. I removed all the various phones that this works on because, uh, hey, we don't need to spend five minutes reading phone models. <laughs> it's true. I'm excited for the new Ubuntu Touch. Hopefully, you know, it actually works well. I've yet to see an actual, like, Linux phone version that would work as a daily driver long term. I did think about putting it onto one of my uh, OnePlus devices. Um, but again, I suppose the app, uh, lack of app ecosystem has an effect. I have a spare, uh, one plus six in the house, which, um, you know, we use on emergencies and it seems that everybody's just on WhatsApp these days. People are ringing on WhatsApp, people are messaging on WhatsApp and things like that. And that kind of stopped it's me from going little... on to Ubuntu Touch. It's a little less here in the U.S., people using WhatsApp. I do know what you're talking about because I work with a lot of people that are on the other side of the pond in one country or another. Um, and I, I see what you're saying there. But if this is Ubuntu Touch and it works anything like the Manjaro on the Pine phone that I was using, you can install whatever you like. There's no yeah. lack of an ecosystem. There's everything that runs on Linux will run on the phone. So now would that be through Android? and the new one is also running no it's not an and it's not android it's not android you're running it's not Linux. android okay um yeah. now there are some things where scaling is a major issue or where it will cause instability and crashing in the background which is why i say it doesn't work excessively well as a daily driver and once you start running a lot of desktop things on your phone it drains the battery really quickly well ota1 is running lomiri which would have been uh uh version 8 of uh, of Unity, but uh, they seem to have fixed all the problems there, and it should run a lot better than the ones based on 16.04 did. Right, but what I'm saying is, is that with Ubuntu Touch, you should be able to sudo apt install WhatsApp yep. and be good. Maybe I'll have to revisit this then. I right. really, really want to be excited about mobile, but I just... Every it's, time I get excited by mo by by Linux on mobile, I get disappointed. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The ship has sailed now, hasn't it? Yeah, it sure has. The, yeah. the app I mean, ecosystem. You know, it's not is... like, yeah, it's not like ten years ago when we all had you know, Bada was about and Mimo and you know, Windows Mobile well, was still a thing and Black BlackBerry you know, for crying out loud. I mean, that yeah. was a true. That was a, it. Doesn't even matter that it was a superior device. The yeah. fact that they didn't have the apps, I mean, that's yeah, unfortunately where we're at on that. Yeah, so I mean, and, I think the, you well, know, it's just it, it's as I said, it's a done deal now. It's you've got a duopoly of Android and iOS, um, various flavors of Android, even they are kind of coalescing a bit, a bit more of a in the past. I remember the skins used to be very, very different, you know, like TouchWiz and the LG ones and things like that. Now, even you know. All the, even the skins are pretty similar now, really. So, 
I think, yeah, Linux on the phone is nice. It'll be fun. I I still want to get a tablet and put Linux on that, on that a UB ports or something. Um, but yeah, the ship has sailed. Why not just install Linux Mint? Is there a Linux Mint ARM version? No. Why get an ARM version of a tablet? Oh, because uh, uh, battery because life. Because ARM tablet. Most of them are ARM, and yeah, most an X86 tablet's got uh, pretty bad battery life, yeah. Yeah, that that's the main reason. Uh, I, I, okay. okay. I like my Dell Latitudes. I mean, it, it, I could have this conversation with you if you really wanted, but we'll be in the news for a really long time. <laughs> you know, I know you love your Dell latitudes. I've heard you talk about loads of times yeah. putting mint on and things like that. And I've often been tempted myself, actually. But that would only work. I've got I've got a Windows tablet which I can do that on, which I do have a plan for doing that. Um, but yeah, I can't do it on my ARM tablets, can I? Okay. There, uh, well, <clears throat> I've also done it on ARM tablets too, and there are some of them that I could recommend for that. But they're just going to end up slow, so. I don't. Well, Ubuntu does have ARM versions that will run on Raspberry Pis, and I do not know whether they would work on tablets. So, according to the UbiPorts website, there's a couple of tablets that they do support. Uh, I think there's a Lenovo M10 from 2018, um, and there was a couple of others, you know, three, four years old. So, because I, I remember making a note of those and thinking, you know, if one of them ever, if I ever come across a secondhand one, maybe I might try that. But well, it would be a project rather than an actual use thing. The Transformers. I'm trying to remember what company they come from. Asus. Asus Transformers. The Asus Transformers, yeah. I, I used to install Linux on those. And if I remember right, those um, are ARM processors. Yeah, they are, yeah. Which ones would, would those be? Would those be the T100 series? Like Yeah, the T100 series. That is correct. Oh, or the, no, 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 there was also the, the TS100 series. Mm -hmm. But yeah. It's been a long time since I put anything on a transformer just because they got slow. And that's mm -hmm. uh, about the time that I had switched to, to Dells. And there were two different sets of Dells, and one of them was the Latitude, and the other one I can't remember. But they're both running i-series processors. So, But um, <clears throat> hold on. I, I have them here. But they have, like, freaking extra batteries built into the, the, the keyboard. So there's no battery life issue with them. Yes, my Oh, best. I see what you mean, yeah. So. Shall we move on? Uh, okay, I got you. I got you. Yep. That must, uh, well, I know what I'll be doing on eBay tonight, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, th this isn't the uh, the Latitude. This is a different one. I just kind of... Oh, I'll talk to you about it later. Yeah, I've got a <laughs> Lenovo Mix. 720 um which i use for work which um it's pretty reasonably powerful actually it's got eight gigs of ram and 256 gigs of storage it's got a oh what generation eight gen i5 battery life is pants that's with windows so i can't imagine it being much better when i put linux on it but that's the next uh, that's uh, another thing i'm going to be doing okay linux Lite 6.4 is released from linuxliteos.com. Linux Lite 6.4 Final is now available for download and installation. Building upon the release of 6.2, we've added a number of new changes. Uh, Linux Lite applications, our in-house applications are starting to be repackaged using ZSTD compression for significantly faster decompression speeds and higher compression rates. For example, Lite themes, the old compressed package was 91.2 megabytes, 
and the new compressed package is 76.8 megabytes. This will benefit machines from a wider range of ages. Great for slower computers when installing updates, lightning fast updates for modern machines. Added system D report to light system report. This addition will help a wide range of people in regards to diagnosing a variety of booting and general system inquiries. Our amazing support team on the forums will also find this very helpful. Added WebP support in the Thunar file manager for displaying thumbnails correctly. Thunderbird gets redesigned icons, spaces toolbar, new address book, message header com customization, import and export wizard, and matrix chat support. Other changes include the latest Papyrus icon theme. The hardware database now has over 80,000 submissions, 100,000 here we come. And the latest stable versions of Chrome, LibreOffice, Lite applications, etc. New wallpapers, plus many other tweaks and changes. Cool. Uh, okay, so my audacity has decided to stop. That sucks. This is a bad thing. It's just Let's start stop. it up again, and we will do another sync, and then we'll have to try and match it up. If we lost some audio, we lost some audio. I don't. Or Bill can pull though, it off from the YouTube. I mean, I don't understand. We're, okay. We're if you disconnected your mic and then reconnected it, that could cause an issue. Is that what it? Okay. That as long as audacity is running, keep it running, and we'll do another zero. Someone is at the front door. <laughs> That's tough. Tell him to go away. Right. Okay, so uh, I've got Audacity running again. Okay. Three, two, one, zero. 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 Um, oh, you got to say that it. again. Yeah. Joe has to say it too. <laughs> Three, two, one, zero. 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 Sorry, was somebody was at my front door. No, they're not allowed. Okay, so Joe, you're up. Okay, um, this is Cosmic DE first spring updates. This is from system76.com. It's not quite ready yet for you or me, but Carl feels it's close to being ready for the design team to use daily. For now, completed software pieces are being used alongside temporary engineering workarounds. Once those workarounds have been replaced by design implemented and user tested software, we'll have an alpha release to play around in. That part is further away. But it's exciting. Each month, more and more pieces are coming together for Pop! OS. Pop! OS's new desktop environment. Read on to see what was added in March. The Launcher. The UX and engineering teams are working together to bring a launcher to a more finished look and feel. Check out the latest styling for the launcher in the screenshot below. What screenshot? Mac Exactly. <laughs> maximize in full screen. In Pop! OS 2204 LTS, maximize and full screen are separate functions. The main difference between the two is that maximize windows borders the top panel, while a full screen app covers the top panel and hides the title bar. However, in Cosmic DE, the dock or panel can be oriented on any edge of the screen, float or extended to the edges, be large or small, stay hidden, or intelligently hide when a window overlaps the panel. If panels are always hidden or intelligently hide, is there really a difference between maximize and full screen? In, in Cosmic, maximize will abide by your preference to keep panels always visible, always hidden, or intelligently hide. Each panel can set separately so your top panel can be always visible while your bottom panel intelligently hides. While Pop! OS won't give a separate full screen mode for application window, Apps that feature their own full screen mode will still be able to use it via their respective controls or shortcuts. 
So these apps like browsers, presentation software, LibreOffice, and yes, the full screen button in YouTube and other video players will continue to function as expected. Tiling, active hints and configurable window gaps are now working in tiling mode. Tiling features are getting close to parity with Pop! OS 2204 LTS, with the notable ex exception of stacking. Additional features and hints to make auto-tiling easier for more users are also in the works. Cosmic Time. Cosmic DE's iced GUI toolkit animation crate is now ready and published. Cosmic Time provides a simple API to build and show complex animations efficiently in applications built with iced. It was created to be easy to use. No math required for any animation and custom animation support for devs to create their own. Head to the link to see what's next for Cosmic Time. I don't see a link. Performance improvements. Big performance improvements have been made to Cosmic Text and the text editor. For one, RAM usage for the text editor has been cut in half. It also starts up a half second faster. Jeremy, the principal engineer, says it feels instantaneous now. By applying these in improvements to libcosmic, other cosmic applications will see a boost in speed as well. X Wayland Cosmic Comp improvements, these two updates, considerably reduced demand on CPU resources. Carl notices desktop running much quieter after this update. Side note, Levi, QA lead, says Cosmic is working pretty darn well on NVIDIA systems thanks to the work done on the compositor. Cosmic GUI widgets. Substantial progress has been made developing the widget library for Cosmic applications. Once the widget library fills out, Focus will move to creating panels in Cosmic settings that introduce functionality to customize the Cosmic desktop experience. Drag and drop. Drag and drop functionality has been merged with Smith A Client Toolkit, which opens the door for the team to complete work on workspaces, the application library, and much, much more. Optimizations from community contributors have been added to SmithA that are already being used in Cosmic Comp. One such optimization improves NVIDIA support by allowing faster copies between multiple GPUs. Iced animations in the wild. A Linux Software Center project is already using our Iced Animation Crate in their project. It's cool to see our contributions contributing to other open source projects out there. Very exciting. Also very long. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what they bring to the marketplace. There's uh, one thing I don't understand. I've never understood why Pop made their own desktop. It, I mean, it's quite nice. Because they I've, I've, I've used Cosmic and it works all right. And, you know, it's got some nice tiling features. I can only assume it's because of their hardware compatibility, because they obviously make devices and uh, things like that. But it just seems like a lot of work. I well, mean, choice is good, but for it seems minimal like a lot of work. work. Why not just work more closely with, say, GNOME or something like that? Well, because know. nobody can work per closely with GNOME. Um, <laughs> the problem is that when you, uh, when you are basing everything on GNOME, you have to lean at all of your add-ons and plugins up against the GNOME uh, code base. And mm -hmm. if GNOME changes something fundamentally in the co code base that you have to, and it's not always clear immediately uh, how to do that, um, 
all of a sudden, all of the add-ons that might be making Cosmic what it is don't work anymore. So the only way to negate that problem is to be in charge of which GNOME code base you are using. And, and, you know, in order to do that, you've got to fork it. You know, you've got to you got to do your own thing. Yes, so in the same way that they actually were talking. At one point, they were actually talking about throwing GNOME out and yeah. trying EFL. And I mean, that was kind of in response to some of the drama in the community. And then, you know, as we all know, I mean, it's my, it's just my opinion that GNOME has not always been so good at answering people's concerns with the direction that they seem to be going you know they they're sometimes they seem more interested in throwing fuel in the flame you know and so other projects that are leaning up against gnome but are adding a lot of customizations on top you know they feel as though their only option is to either go with something completely different or to make their own thing so it's a bit of a rerun of cinnamon then really isn't it about 10 years ago because initially that started off as a bunch of kind of mint extensions i remember what it was called something the the first you know anyway i can't remember but there were mint specific shell extensions and then things started to break and then the team just went i'll forget this cinnamon or mate mate tried to stick with the uh gnome 2 code base uh, only moving it into uh gdk4 and uh, Cinnamon tried to stick with the GNOME 3 code base, but still make it run like uh, GNOME 2. And there's there's obvious, you know, problems when you're trying when you are being reactive, when your development is basically reactive to what GNOME is doing, then you're going to have a lot more trouble than you would if you were just like to narrow it down to one particular GNOME code base and then just work with that from then on out but then you're not gnome anymore are you you're yeah makes sense makes sense you know what i mean so you know they they have a customer base that they have to answer to and they've got commercial imperative involved in their projects or yeah i mean you know what have you sell their own hardware means i suppose they do need to be in more control and that's probably the only way to accomplish it Mm mm-hmm Moving on, though, FreeBSD 13.2 announced from FreeBSD.org. Release date, April 11th, 2023. The FreeBSD release engineering team is pleased to announce the availability of FreeBSD 13.2-release. And that's in big, angry, all-caps letters. This is the third release of the Stable 13 branch. Some of the highlights include OpenSSH has been updated to version 9.2 P1. OpenSSL has been updated to version 1.1.1 T. The Beehive hypervisor now supports more than 16 Y CPUs in a guess. Address space layout randomization, or ASLR, is now enabled for 64-bit executables by default. ZFS has been upgraded to open ZFS release 2.1.9. It is now possible to take snapshots on UFS file systems when running the journaled soft updates. The kernel WG4 WireGuard driver is now available. The kernel NetLink 4 network configuration protocol is now available and much more. For a complete list of the new future, uh, new, new features and known problems, 
please see the online release notes and errata list available at www.freebsd.org slash releases slash 13.2 r slash rel notes uh there's there's links to these pages in the show notes um you skipped open bsd oh i'll get to that after this one then (laughs) um uh, for more information about FreeBSD release engineering activities, please see uh, freebsd.org slash relang, and there's a link in the show notes. Availability. FreeBSD 13.2-release is now available from the AMD64 i386 PowerPC, PowerPC64, PowerPC64 LE, PowerPSPE, ARM version 6, ARM version 7, ARCH64, and RISC-5 64 architectures. FreeBSD 13.2-release can be installed from bootable ISO images or over the network. Some architectures also support installing from a USB memory stick. This, the required files can be downloaded as described in the, the section below. SHA-512 and SHA-256 hashes for the release ISO memory stick and SD card images are included at the bottom of this message. PGP signed checksums for the release images are also available at freebsd.org slash releases slash 13.2R slash signatures. A PGP signed version of this announcement is available at freebsd.org slash releases slash 13.2R slash announce dot ASC. And as Moss indicated, I did skip over a tiny bit of uh, OpenBSD 7.3 announced from OpenBSD.org, released April 10th, 2023. This is the 54th OpenBSD release. Uh, This project is copyright 1997 to 2023 uh, by Theo DeRat. Nobody disagreed, and one is assumed to agree. Supposedly, I guess we're supposed to discuss this copyright. Well, most uh, releases are not copyrighted. In fact, copyright goes against open software principles. Okay. So what is in this particular release that makes this appropriate? A change of license, maybe? There must be a project. There must be software within that release that is requiring a copyright or something. And if nobody knows... Then that ends the discussion. Anybody run uh, any of these BSDs? No, never even tried. I mean, I looked at it briefly at one time, and I couldn't get it worked out in a virtual machine, and that's the only thing I use to test distros. We've had a couple reviewed on uh, Distro Hopper's Digest. I've tried to install a couple and failed to do so myself, but we do have a couple reviews in, in, the, in our archives. Okay, so Firefox... 113 promises big updates this is from again from 95linux.com the upcoming firefox release will also bring a more secure password generator that now includes special characters too with the release of 112 hitting the stable channel today mozilla promoted today the next major release surprisingly called 113 to the beta channel for public Mm -hmm. testing firefox 113 looks like an interesting release that will bring support for animated uh, AV1 images, a more secure password generator, includes special characters as mentioned, an enhanced picture-in-picture mode, 
also that which lets you rewind, check the video duration, and more easily enable the full screen mode. The upcoming release also seems to introduce a feature that was initially planned for 112, namely the ability for Linux and MacOS users to use FIDO2 or Web Authent Authenticators over USB with support for fully power passwordless logins. Another interesting change that is not yet mentioned in the release notes is the fact that Mozilla now offers an official dev package for Debian and Ubuntu systems. This should make it a lot easier for those users to update their Firefox installations to the new latest version on the day of release. However, please note that the dev package depends on the libgdk-pixbuf-xlib-2.0-0 and libgdk-pixbuf-2.0-0 packages to be installed on your Debian or Ubuntu system. You can download that from Mozilla directly. On top of that, the bookmarks importing feature has been updated to also import the favicons for those bookmarks by default to make them easy to identify when importing browsing data from Chrome-based browsers. Firefox 113 also promises some goodies for Android users, where hey, such as uh, support for a hardware-accelerated AV1 video decoding by default on supported hardware, or via software decoding and the ability to print from websites that use Windows.print. Web developers, will, web developers will be happy to learn that Firefox 113 promises support for the scripting CSS media query, support for several new WebRTC features for improving interoperability, support for the forced color adjust property, support for color functions from the color level 4 specification, as well as the ability for module scripts to import other ES module scripts on workload. Mozilla plans to release 113 for all supported platforms on May the 9th, 2023. So it'll probably be late. Uh, until then, if you want to take a uh, uh, test drive, check, check out the new feed. I know on my phone, I just run the beta, so I haven't had any problems. Um, okay, so this again, this might be a stupid question, right? I know that on iOS devices, all the browsers are basically just skinned Safari because uh, uh, Apple do not allow any other web rendering engine on their uh, devices. Is that true for Android? I've always thought it no. wasn't. I've always thought it wasn't. But then at the same time, I've never found the... I haven't managed to find a significant difference between the Chromium-based browsers and Firefox on Android. I don't mean that in a good or a bad way. I just mean it in... They seem to just work around the same. I suppose that's a good thing, really. Um but yeah, so are, are there different web engines for those? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mozilla has their own web engine. Almost everyone else uses Chromium. I think a lot of the limitations on an Android based device are kind of shared by all browsers, you know, and so uh, the functionality is going to be somewhat the same. I don't know. I just don't know if enough. If there's enough um, Zealot-type uh, development going into Firefox on Android, you know, because it's really... I kind of force myself... Well, I don't use Firefox as such. I use Fennec, which basically is Firefox from... Uh, Joe's probably a Chrome user. I can tell by the way he stuck that in his nose. Um, <laughs> I, I force myself to use these things because I want to support the projects, you know, but... You're right. There's not uh, most of the differences are going to be cosmetic or just the uh, syncing capabilities between the browsers on the desktop and the browsers on the 
mobile no, devices. I, mean, I a couple of years ago I made the conscious decision to move away from Chrome because you know evil Google. Yep. And all that. And Chromium didn't uh, although I did use it once or twice it didn't appeal to me because things always seem to break. I mean it is an open source project I suppose and some of the function extra functionality that Chrome has is proprietary Google code. Um so I went to Firefox which because hey it's free and open source and blah blah and because it's a different web en rendering engine and e everybody else is basically using Chrome's web engine you do sometimes get breakage with sites not the big ones but you know smaller you know, maybe more niche ones things like that and so I always had I always used to have to have a chromium based browser as a standby yeah you know if the the site didn't work I then came across Brave and I thought, oh, Brave looks like the kind of free and open source respecting um, browser I'm looking for. It's Chromium based. It works with Chrome extensions. It syncs without an account um, and all that. And so I, did, I, I moved wholeheartedly over to Brave. But there's something about having a company involved that just makes a project maybe a bit more polished. And I found that, and it wasn't, and it's very difficult for me to describe this, but there were times when, you know, there would be jank, there'd be times when sync wouldn't happen, there'd be times when this gets lost, that gets lost, this password is not saved, or whatever it might be. I'd noticed that a couple of the open source projects have been using Vivaldi recently. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'll try that out. And I know it's not free and open source, and maybe it's the fact that there is a company behind it, and so there's a financial kind of uh, imperative as well but it just seems to be a lot more polished um you know but i do have to make an account which i've had to do um and so where's my data going mm, i don't know is it really as bad as well Rivaldi is by the the guy that wrote opera and uh a chinese company bought out opera and said oh you you're gonna be able to go ahead and run it the way you used to and then they said oh no you're not and so he wrote rivaldi to do what opera used to do and am i wrong isn't vivaldi vivaldi is mostly open source i think there's just a few proprietary bits in that uh some of their yeah, bigger learning curves than vivaldi. yeah um just vivaldi is one of those like all-in-one solutions for the web you know mm -hmm. um which but no the the whole thing with chrome and things working better you know i think it, it kind of goes back to kind of a popular discussion where we people that use open source software for you know moral reasons for choice of better word and we kind of like learn to make compromises, don't we? Sometimes we, and we, we put up with certain things because we, we ideologically appreciate the place that these, uh, these projects have, you know, within our ecosystem. And so we just put up with it, you know, but it's, it's difficult to like spread the word to normal people about these projects like Firefox when you almost always have to make the disclaimer that now, okay, if you start using this, you might every now and then notice something not working right. But, uh, you know, when it comes to that whole discussion about Chromium being, you know, open source, yes, the browser is open source, but all of the stuff that makes it work, all of the API calls that go over the internet, those are all connecting to proprietary cloud-based uh, 
systems and just to make the browser work. So it's not necessarily fair to call to to put Chromium in the same category as Firefox because Firefox connects to no uh, APIs back at at the mothership. You know, like a lot of people don't even realize when you're doing a search in the search bar, that's that's using an an API back at Google mothership to disseminate what you're searching for, no matter what search engine you're using and all that translation stuff that we rely on that works so well. Well, the reason that works so well is because that's going back and hitting a cloud server somewhere and then coming back and it knows exactly what you're talking about. Firefox. Yeah, we don't have these. Well, okay. I, I we're getting close with a couple of things on Firefox, but we're not, we're nowhere near where Google is with the translations and things like that. But that is the compromise you make with with these projects is that you you know in order to uh, live this morally superior life i guess you know you've got to give up access to uh Security to some of these costs something yeah it does i mean it, it it i don't see it as giving up something i see it as okay we're in this different world where we need to figure out better ways to uh, solve these problems than just connecting to some cloud thing well, that's proprietary. I could do the next article, which is a better way. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, yeah. Moldad Browser is out from moldad.net. The Moldad Browser is developed in collaboration with Moldad VPN and the Tor project to minimize tracking and fingerprinting. Features include privacy quality of the Tor browser to use with a VPN, Using a VPN is not enough to achieve perfect privacy online. There's simply too much data being extracted through most browsers. The Mulvad browser is a web browser with the privacy quality of the Tor browser to be used with a trustworthy VPN. Strong anti-fingerprinting from the Tor project. The Tor project has a proven track record of building privacy-focused browser. <clears throat> the Mulvad browser has the same fingerprinting protection as the Tor browser. It just connects to the internet with or without a VPN instead of the Tor network. Similar fingerprint for all users. Fingerprinting is an incre increasing threat against online privacy. The Moldad browser is, just like the Tor browser, developed with the purpose and ambition for all its users to appear as one. No telemetry. Telemetry is unique data being collected by the browser to improve its performance. We don't believe in collecting data about our users. So with the Moldad browser, we've removed all telemetry. Private browsing by default. The Moldad browser has private mode enabled by default. This means no cookies, cache, and history are saved between your sessions. The browser also includes a reset button that creates a clean session in one click. Blocking third-party trackers with uBlock Origin. Even with strong protection against fingerprinting and cookies, it's a good idea to block third-party trackers. You don't want to use, quote, too many, end quote, extensions, as it could be the one thing that identifies you. That's why we only use uBlock Origin. Transparent business model. We have no intention in earning money from the Moldad browser. Our business model is to earn money from our VPN service. Our only ambition with the Moldad browser is to provide the best privacy-focused browser possible to Moldad's VPN users, and everyone else for that matter. Privacy first. Moldad VPN has a proven record of putting privacy first, with no strange business models or short-term venture capitalist owners. The Tor Project is a non-profit organization fighting for human rights. We will always put privacy first in everything we do. This is a, a good example of how security is a trade-off, because, you know, it's talking specifically about 
Tor, and I myself am not willing to use Tor on any kind of regular basis because I'm not willing to trade that level of security for all the speed that I would be losing. VPN's a different story. VPN's, you can get them pretty fast. And well, that is one of the best. It, it, since it's saying that it's based on Tor, does that mean it's based on uh, Firefox? Yes. Okay. And it's just replacing Tor with a VPN. Okay. Uh, adding in the VPN access uh, to the browser, if you are a Molvad user or another VPN user, the VPN is on when you open the browser. Now, you can do something similar, but you have to set it up yourself with uh, Chrome. And then even when you're doing that, the, you know, Chrome is still sending stuff back to the Google mothership. <laughs> Find that mothership. Shoot it down. <laughs> you're up, Joe. <gasps> okay. LXQT 1.3.0 releases. This is from LXQT's GitHub page. LXQT 1.3.0 is still based on QT. Uh, 5.15, the last LTS version of QT5. The QT6 support was started and is usable in, in WIP branches, but could not be released due to the lack of a stackable KF6. <clears throat> in LXQT's file manager and its library, smooth scrolling can be switched for all view modes, minor issues of the desktop mode are fixed, and handling of zero-sized files is improved. Q-Terminal has received small bug fixes, especially for use under Wayland. Support for DOAS has been added to LXQT sudo. In LXQT session, the detection of window manager and system tray has been improved. Translations have received many updates. And other changes that can be found in change logs of LXQT components. Yay. Sounds super exciting. And we had a late last minute add-on here. Uh, Solus attempts to write its course from the Solus Reddit. Once again, Josh Strobel has taken it upon himself to rescue Solus from the trash heap. In the Solus Reddit, he states that there is a new team to be announced on Tuesday and that they're busy recovering the files and directories and making alternate arrangements for access. This is called writing the ship, and we at Mintcast are all for it. I wish them all the luck in the world. Honestly. It has been yeah, over two years since dead. the last update. Yeah. Yeah, they came this close to being removed from everybody's conversation. Well, the way that the previous management group was that Josh Strobel felt like he was outside of it. And so he just uh, took Budgie and started working on Budgie and left the Solus group. Well, apparently the management group couldn't keep it going. And here comes Josh to help out again. Yay, Josh. Yeah, for sure. And it's always felt like kind of a turbulent project, really, from the beginning. If you followed when Ike, more, uh, Ike was on uh, Late Night Linux talking about it and that and some of the drama that was going on in those days, um, it always felt like there was disagreements and drama. You know, of course, I guess every project has to deal with that, especially when you're small. But uh yeah, we we do wish them all the all the luck in the world, and I'm glad that they're going to pull it together. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Watch the space. And you know what? We finished the news. Moving on to security Ooh. and privacy.
Okay, Cody confirms a data breach. 400,000 user records and private messages are stolen. From the Hacker News, open source media player software provider Cody has confirmed a data breach after threat actors stole the company's MyBB forum database containing user data and private messages. What's more, the unknown threat actors attempted to sell the data dump comprising 400,635 Cody users on the now-defunct Breach Forum cybercrime marketplace. MyBB admin logs show the account of a trusted but currently inactive member of the forum admin team was used to access the web-based MyBB admin console twice, on 16 February and again on 21 February, Cody said in an advisory. The threat actors then abused the account to create database, database backups that were then downloaded and deleted. Also downloaded were existing nightly full backups of the database, the account in question has now been disabled. The nightly backups contained all public forum posts, team forum posts, messages sent through the user-to-user messaging system and user information, such as forum username, email address used for notifications, and an encrypted hashed and salted password generated by the MyBB software. Cody said there is no evidence threat actors managed to obtain unauthorized access to the underlying server hosting the MyBB software. It further emphasized that the legitimate account owner did not perform malicious actions on the admin console, suggesting credential theft. Out of an abundance, out of an abundance of caution, the maintainer said work is underway to initiate a global password reset. Users are recommended to change their passwords on other sites if the same password has been used. In the interim, the company has taken down the Cody forum and noted that it is in the process of commissioning a new server, an activity that is expected to last quote several days end quote. It's also planning to redeploy the forum on the latest version of MyBB software. As additional security measures, Cody is hardening access to the MyBB admin console, revising admin roles to limit privileges, and improving audit logging and backup processes. I have had a MyBB or a PHPBB on uh, one of my websites, and there are people out there that just hack it to say, hey, I hacked it, and it's not fun. They well, you can also, take the whole thing down and put something else up in it. You also had have have used Cody for a long time too. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure I don't use the same password there, so I'm pretty, probably well, it just kind of makes you go, hmm. You connect the I dots. I haven't been using Cody for a while, but just yeah. been hacking it. No, oh, he's just me. been playing around with my. BB. I'm not it. I'm not it. <laughs> I didn't do it. I swear. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, I've, I've used Cody for a lot of years until I learned what Jellyfin was all about. But really, they're kind of two separate things. They they have two separate goals. Cody has its uses. Yeah, it does. It's I still use it like on the laptop. If I'm going to watch anything, I, I use that instead of just a regular media player. It seems to work out the graphics drivers better or something. Because one... If I have- if I have an extremely low power device and I just want to hook it up to a TV and yeah. watch something with it, I, I Cody's going to be my go-to. I mean, it's still, way I'm not Libre Elect, which is just a else. fork. Yeah, no, Libre Elect is the uh, distribution that it's just. You've got an underlying distribution behind Cody because uh, I used that for a number of years too. You can just that's just your way of burning an ISO onto an SD card, plug it into a Pi, and then plug that into your TV, and you've got a Kodi interface right there 
on the TV. And then LibreLEC has a few more uh, interfacing options to connect to your Wi-Fi and whatever else, you know. That's Yeah, but that's, you can still throw on the same extensions yeah. and yep. use all the same databases. And yeah. Yeah, LibreELEC was a fork of OpenELEC, um, which I don't know, difference in opinions among developers, same story as LibreOffice and OpenOffice. Um, but it is still a good option for using a Pi. I can't tell if Majid is trying to talk to us and his mic is muted or if he's talking to somebody else. Can't hear you, Majid. We cannot hear you. Yeah. That I can read lips and yes, I agree. <laughs> Uh, well, we finished security. All right. Well, moving on to the biweekly wanderings. Since it's been some time since I've graced the show with my presence, you're welcome. Uh, I'll describe some of the stuff that's been happening since last I was here. Uh, first will, uh, will be the reason I list, I missed the last show. Uh, every year, the Kentucky Expo Center in Louisville, Kentucky hosts the Mid-America Trucking Show, uh, a trade show of sorts for the trucking industry. Uh, the Matt's show, if you will, is by far the largest trucking show in the world. So large, you couldn't really manage to get through it in three days. I mean, it's huge. This place is just absolutely enormous. Um, Dragon Con. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, they hold the, the state fair there. So, I mean, outside, they've got all the stables and everything like that. And it is Kentucky. So, you know, there's a large equestrian contingent there, what have you. Um Three Fat Truckers was there. Um, we had a booth uh, where we set up a broadcast studio and had a great time interviewing a lot of interesting people and networking with other content creators and other people in the trucking industry. Uh, to say the experience was transformative would be to grossly understate it. Um, since being on the show, our listenership has increased exponentially. And I mean that. I, I think we saw a growth uh, the day after the show. We saw 1,400% growth, which that's some, really something. So much so we are now monetized. The platform that we upload our audio-only episodes to, once you get to a certain level of listenership, then they offer you the ability to add an ad spot to it, and then they just pay you. They do all the insertion and that and then they pay you a little bit for the number of ads and yeah you look you're looking at a true to form sellout right here buddy um so it's it, yeah that's a good thing um some of the people we interviewed include raman dylan who is a representative of napta or the north american punjabi trucking association um as well as Brandy Belton, a representative of Truckers Against Trafficking. Uh, what they mean is human trafficking. There's this culture uh, in the industry of trying to participate in looking for things that are a bit amiss and then try to get drivers involved and notifying law enforcement, what have you, and that. And it's a, it's a whole community around that. Um, Really enjoyed those interviews. Uh, you can 
see all of the interviews we did uh, by following the link that's in the show notes here. It'll take you to the uh, playlist on YouTube that has all of the interviews on it. So that was excellent. Um, I got a new keyboard for my machine, this machine right here. Uh, I've been leaning towards getting a mechanical keyboard for some time. For about two years now, I've been using the Logitech Wave, which is a nice keyboard to be sure, but I never felt, I never really liked it all the way because it's got those silly macro buttons on it that you get on keyboards nowadays that some of them work, some of them don't with Linux. And I suppose you can get them to work by getting hacky with it. But when things don't work and I've got it in front of my face, it irritates me. That's just, that's a component of my personality. Yeah, and I've never been able to get a Logitech keyboard with macro keys to actually do anything yeah. in Linux. And I wouldn't use them anyway. And also, I didn't like it having the function button that you had to push to use the F buttons, you know, what have you. So um, uh, I ended up going with the... Um, okay, so I've, I've been... Okay, moving on. Enter the DOS keyboard for professional. This bad boy right here. This thing makes quite a bit of noise when you uh, when you're typing on it, and I love it. Um, it's the DOS keyboard for professional. This is a proper clicky keyboard. When you hit the F key, you actually get the F key. Uh, there's no like secondary functions whatsoever on this keyboard. Uh, it does have some simple uh, media volume, play, pause, mute, system sleep button on the right upper right corner. But that's it. That's that's all those buttons do. And they do work perfectly well. Plug and play on Linux. Plus, it's got if you plug it into USB three, which I did, it's got a built in uh, two port USB three hub on it, which is kind of cool. If you just want to plug your phone in or something like that. Um, yeah. Yep, that's about the place where I've got it. Um, the most notable feature is the clickiness. Um, this thing sounds like the keyboards I remember on the old Commodores and the Apple II machines, where, you know, if, if I was clicking, I don't know if you can hear this it, or not, but uh, if, I was, if I was typing while I'm talking, you know, it's got a... Probably, microphone's probably blocking it out, but it's, it's a proper click. No, no, keyboard. we can hear it. Yeah. Well, is it mech membrane? It kind of sounds mech membrane. Like, this is a proper keyboard sound. Yeah, that's what mine is. Just like that, yeah. That's uh, MX Cherry Blues. Yep. Yep, that's what I got. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy with this thing. I've got, the, I've got the other one still sitting aside that I used to build a machine for Steve, another one of my uh, hosts, co-hosts on Three Fat Truckers. Um. Yeah, which brings me to the next thing. Yesterday, while in our Saturday meeting, our Saturday Mintcast meeting, I was finishing the build for a new rig for Steve, uh, who is my co-host on Three Fat Truckers. Uh, Steve has his side hustle where he buys up storage units that have been defaulted on and sells the contents that are worth selling. And I mean, he comes up with some real amazing stuff. Um comes up with some junk but i mean he's he's been doing really well at it well he found a uh hp pavilion desktop 550-077 cb which has a fourth gen i7 i mean it's not it it's is usable it, yeah 
Um, I cleaned up the inside real well. The thing looked like it had been running for like 10 years straight. I mean, you talk about the dust on the inside of this thing. Um, I replaced the spinning rust hard drive. It had a big old Seagate. one. It didn't say one terabyte. It said 1,000 gigabyte, which I suppose is not exactly one terabyte as such. Uh, I switched that. I kept it in there, but I just I just have it running a ButterFS storage pool to put all this stuff on. And then I put a Samsung uh, Evo SSD in it for the operating system and installed Mint 21.1. And I also replaced the built-in NVIDIA card with a AMD Fire Pro 5100. Hey, which Dale tells me that the Samsung Evos currently have a problem with the Linux kernel that won't be solved until the next kernel. Well, what's happening is you've got to disable secure boot. Uh, I've had that happen on two drives now, and I just disabled the secure boot, and it boots just fine. It's not loading the kernel shem or whatever it needs. Uh, if you tell it to, if you're installing and you're telling it to uh, configure secure, secure boot, which if it's got it, I use it. Obviously, I don't have that with Arch Linux when I'm doing those machines, but with this one. Well, what I found when I rebooted was it just gave me a error message saying that it couldn't load the kernel first. So I went into the BIOS and disabled Secure Boot, and it boots right up, and it runs fine. So when they get that fixed, it'll be nice. But for the time being, you just have to just have to disable Secure Boot, which it's arguable whether or not that's necessary for a completely linux system anyway um but yeah that that amd fire pro i put that one i put that in there because it's got four monitor outputs and he's got a, a three monitor set up just like i do for making the show and now now he can just hook them all up to one video card uh, and then i also had a, a usb3 pcie card laying around i threw that in there that way he'd have three or well no four more usb3 ports to use for microphones and cameras and stuff and then uh i entered this well i typed this last part in before my interview today but earlier today i was interviewed by the big gay trucker podcast so while at the truck show i was greeted by and we interviewed the founder of the lgbtq plus truck driver association and they've also got a podcast called the big gay trucker podcast um I wrote here that the video is up on their YouTube channel, and I will share it. Um, but I'll I'll get to that as soon as I can work out where their channel is and all that, because they're not using the same method of streaming that I'm used to seeing. So I'll have to work that out and then share it later. Um, yeah, and then I wrote here at the time I I wrote that before I started, and I I got to tell you I enjoyed that interview too. We really didn't. It, it was really informal, I think. They had some questions, but I'm I'm not sure if Did they, they have were... like podcasting type questions. Since, since yeah, I, I mean, they knew that you know, I had never heard their show before. Um, some of the questions they were well, they they asked me about the Bud Light beer can and how do I feel about that, and and I told them, oh, I think it's hilarious. Um, I think it, we should get trans kids to. Uh, advertise uh ak-47s and uh, ar-15s <laughs> then maybe they'll be running over those with their pickup trucks oh. <laughs> no i just it's it, my thing is like this you know i told him i said 
I think it's hilarious because inevitably the all the same people that were throwing a fit about stuff like that, they're going to, we probably shouldn't talk about this stuff, but I'm going to yeah, anyway. Let's um, avoid the politics. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, those same people are going to end up drinking Bud Light again, you know. Right. And oh, by the way. They were drinking it before. They're going to be drinking it tomorrow. Don't worry. Yeah. No, by the way. Anheuser-Busch in in the product. It's like you people are just now finding out that Bud Light is gay. Come on. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that. Not only that. But, you know, the the same people that are um, protesting Bud Light and and not buying Bud Light, they don't realize how much money Anheuser-Busch provides to their party. Okay, It's absolutely insane that you're cutting off your freaking nose despite your face exactly beard. and yeah. you know anheuser-busch is playing a long game here yeah they've LGBTQ been around a long time plus people need to be upset that the money that they're making off of them is going to right-wing causes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was a lot of fun i enjoyed that interview a lot and i look yeah. forward to well, hopefully that also, you know, gets gets some uh, cross advertising there, gets their uh, podcast more known, gets your yeah. podcast more known, all all that jazz. Oh, and I, I have to ask, what did you think about that Chris Trucker that I sent you? Oh, that was like, what was that? That was a week ago or so. It was a couple of weeks ago, but you ain't been on in a while. Yeah, so I know. I'm trying to remember because I did you. I did look at that. Refresh my memory because I've slept uh, since it's then. It's on YouTube. Uh, the guy. Um, got a new partner when he got into trucking, and it was the story of how disgusting his, his yes, yes, trucking yes, the partner fat. was. He was fat and everything, and yeah, okay, fat didn't shower, did horrible things in the cab of the. Or it, you know, it's kind of similar to when you shared that other. Um, what was that, Kevin? Kevin in a big rig. Yeah. Um, I do have some experience doing a team driving thing. You know, I, it wasn't like a team driving company as such, but, um, I can, it's, there is no way I could share a truck with somebody that did not do the basics as far as hygiene personal. I mean, I couldn't share my truck with anybody nowadays, but something like that. And they are out there. I knew this guy, I'm not going to name names, but I knew this guy when I was younger and I was driving and this guy was, they, they used to order like a bunch of steering wheels and keep them in the corner just for this guy, because he would climb up in the truck, grab the steering wheel and yank on it and would snap it right off the column. And so they would just keep them that way. When he did that, they can put another one on there. And this guy, he would take off Sunday night, be out all week and then friday night when we'd all be coming back into the yard he'd still be wearing the same clothes that he took off sunday night in and you would look in his truck and over on the passenger side would be a bunch of chicken bones and uh pie rinds and all kinds of stuff like that he would get these whole pies and he'd be driving down the road he'd have his belly out steering wheel up like this he'd take his whole pie and set it on his belly and dig out of it with his hands and shove that in his face, and oh, your dinner, folks. <laughs> and he was mental image. He would be. I mean, he would be the kind of guy to tell you a story like, "Yeah, to that place right there. If you leave there hungry, it's your own damn fault." You know, he just loved. It. I don't know. Bless his heart. Is there's it, no way the he's still influence of truckers and Florida men. <laughs> There's Florida men everywhere, uh, to be clear. But Florida they, they, Truckers Association. You know, they, 
they they all tend to gravitate eventually to Florida just because you can I don't think any of them actually own a shirt that fits in in yeah, Florida you, you don't can have re- to wrestle alligators and do meth at the same time <laughs> one go they'd go in hand in hand with each other you know so yeah that's uh, really all I've got how about you Moss well um as our listeners know I do a lot of substitute teaching or I'm supposed to be doing a lot of substitute teaching. It's been more like a little substitute teaching. Uh, more more days off than I want. I did work last Friday. It's the first day in two weeks. Um, I got my new Samsung SSD for the TV machine, got it installed. I had to do a full installation. The cloning didn't work and brought me to an init RAM FS prompt. It's working fine now. I was going to order another one for the studio machine, but Dale informed me there were issues with Samsung SSDs in the kernel to be solved at a later date, so I bought a Kingston A400 after failing to determine the difference between the cheaper A400 and the more expensive Q500. I got it the morning before Streamcast last Saturday. I did wait to install it until after the show. I also got two new Silicon Power Blaze VO2 128GB USB sticks one of which is now a Ventoy stick. I need to reinstall Elementary OS 7 on my T540P. I'm reviewing it for the next Digital Hoppers Digest, and I neglected to write down the installation process. Maybe I was worried it wouldn't install. I've had that happen before, but I will be reviewing it next episode. My TV machine, a ThinkCenter M700 Tiny with an i3 chip and 12 gigabytes of RAM, seems to be having a weakness in the DisplayPort port, I have ordered another one, this one with 4 gigs of RAM and an i5 6th gen chip for $68, and will harvest the drive and 8 gigs of RAM from the old one, put it in the new one resulting in 12 gigs, and ship the old one to Joe so he can work on it. Uh, I did Mm -hmm. ask his permission first. (laughs) I have been told I'm getting a new EXBYA soundboard by April 21st, but I have been given no shipping information, so I don't know whether it's actually been shipped or not. If I get to keep the old one, that's also going to Joe. Woohoo! I acquired a good keyboard brush from Timu, this cute little thing here. Um, and with the aid of some Everclear, I returned my old fellow's microband keyboard to working order. Uh, the keyboard I'd replaced it with uh, just didn't have uh, the quality. It looked exactly the same, but the keys were not the same. And I'm very happy to have my uh, fellows back. Um, my old friend in Detroit, whom I read to almost daily, reported her Roku TV box would work better for stops and restarts if it had a USB drive of at least 16 gigabytes attached. So I haven't ordered, I have ordered an external drive case, which these days costs $8 on eBay, and will put one of my used Lexar NS100 drives in it. She should be good to go for as long as that Lexar keeps running. That's about it for me. How about you, Joe? Oh, I, I, I evidently have to dig out some DDR3 and, and have that on standby. I haven't seen any in a while, so uh, let's figure out where I kept it. It is full-size DDR3, right? On the? <clears throat> on the uh, the computer that you're sending me. Oh, uh, the M7? Well, there, there will be 4 gigs in it. Oh, I thought you were keeping the 4 gigs and the no, 8 gigs for a total I'm of 12 gigs. I'm getting a new machine with 4 gigs in it. My old machine had a 4 gig and an 8 gig chip, and I'm just pulling the 8 gig chip. Okay, I see what you're saying. So it'll have 4 gig. That's perfect. But you'll perfect. have to throw an SSD in it. I, I, I have drawers full. Yes, I thought so. 
All right. Well, <clears throat> me, I did a little bit of 3D printing. Yeah, like that. Uh, I did a little bit of 3D printing, um, but I have a, a cat problem. They like to jump up onto my nightstand and basically knock everything off, including my phone and my glasses. So, um, you know, I, I found a tablet wall mount on, on Thingiverse, and um, I modified it to work with my phone and, and the case on my phone. Um, I had to make it a little shorter on the one side to accommodate the uh, USB port, and then I had to make it a whole bunch wider to accommodate the phone and the case. It actually works pretty well, um, and, and, you know, it hooks up and, and sits there on the side of my nightstand, and my cats can't knock it over. And I also 3D printed a small shelf uh, for my glasses to put on the side. I'm not really sure about using it, though, as my cats may see it as a kind of a springboard. <laughs> more than anything else um so I'm, I'm i'm looking for different solutions uh maybe i will print something that allows the glasses to like be more upright on the side instead of laying flat but uh if i do that then i'm gonna want some kind of um soft interior for it i guess that wouldn't be too difficult to do because i don't want to scratch up my glasses putting them in and out so I'll, maybe i'll order some felts and then see what i can design um, um, I also started using pet G again. Uh, my filament dryer seems to be doing the job quite well at the time of writing this. Um, so long as the rest of my settings are dialed in, I have to do much slower print speeds, um, like 50 MS instead of the 120, um, and higher temps. And I have to turn off the fans. Uh, the prints are coming out pretty good. Um, I haven't tried anything with a high amount of precision, um, but it, you know, it's doing well on simple things. I, I printed that shelf with it. I actually printed out a um, a stand for a Roku remote. But um, because it's PETG and the tolerance, there wasn't a whole lot of tolerances there. I'm actually going to have to print it again and probably increase it, increase the size by 2% or 3%. Uh, mostly all that I have left um, of the stuff that I was printing is ABS, which needs to have an enclosure to print properly. And I'm still working on figuring out a way to modify the enclosure that I have because it's too short for the printer that I'm now using. My old Monoprice Maker Select uh, V2 fits in there just fine, but the um, <coughs> Ender 3 does not. Now, um, I've also talked on the last couple of shows about how these uh, low-cost USB-C hubs that do pass through PD charging and how they kept breaking, how they charge once and then they wouldn't charge anymore on my uh, 1GX. Well, I found some things out. Um, I did try two different chargers with them when I was doing the testing. Um, one of them being my Pine Power Charger and one being just, you know, a, a cheap charger that would do uh, PD pass-through or PD charging. Um, turns out both of those chargers were bad. The, um, the, the pine power was going bad and then it just, it's mostly died on that, on the USB C port. It'll still do 20 volt if I mess with it right, but it won't do like the 15 volt, which is, um, what the, uh, one GX uses. So, um, I, I grabbed a Dell 65 watt charger and, and all of those, um, USB-C hubs work just fine using the Dell charger instead of the pine power. Um, I'm going to have to tear apart that base on the one GX one more time 
and, and put it all back together again with uh, the proper USB hubs on it so that I can have um, HDMI port on it again. Well, a full-size HDMI instead of the micro HDMI that's there. Now, be- specifically because um, I-, I have set up a-, a TV in my garage in another location that allows me to watch while, you know, exercising and on the glider and things like that a- and have it in a more accessible position than my current setup here. Um, uh, I didn't have the full-size HDMI connector hooked up at first, so I grabbed the adapter for a micro HDMI to full size. And and then the problem got to be once I turned up the resolution as far as it would go is that it would cut in and out. Now, I'm not sure if that's just some kind of power distribution issue from the board itself or what. Um, But once I switched back to the hub and the full size HDMI, I no longer had the, the cutouts that I was seeing with the micro HDMI. Um, I also had fun setting up KDE Connect on the device so that I could control it from my phone while on the glider with the um, different holders that I have built into the side of it using my 3D printer so that my phone will mount there and then I can just use my left hand and completely control um, that computer. Um, I have also used it for uh, a couple of podcasts while I was weightlifting as well. That's you know the other two podcasts that I'm on. Um, but I don't want to leave it over there for a long time because I do like to use it on the go around my house to do some typing and, and just to have something small and easy to carry. Um, so I will be looking for a new charger so that I can have one in that location and then another one right here. Um, uh, I don't know if I have another one of those Dell chargers somewhere. I will look, but I think I might have to order something. Now, me and Jackie have been having fun with the local elections. Uh, The school board election is, once again, getting very ugly. And Jackie and I have started being more active in the local Democrats group. Uh, So, block walking and attending forums. I have to say, it's a lot nicer on this side of the stage than it was to be on the other side of the stage. It's also a lot of fun uh, talking in the different chats that we have going on while the forums are happening. Um... I also took apart an off-brand, like, Roomba, um, you know, because I, I had bought it broken, and it, it, like, worked once going across my floor, and then it said that the uh, the main drive brush was stuck, so I, I ripped it all the way apart and got it all the way down to the brush, and there's nothing clogging it, and I made sure that it was free motion and all that, and then I put it back together, and it came back with the exact same problem. So now I have to wonder if the uh, the motor is dead, uh, but the only way to test that is to like strip it all the way down and apply power directly to it. And I really didn't want to tear it all the way apart again because it was a bit of a pain to do it. And um, I will do it eventually because otherwise it's just going to, you know, sit there and do nothing for forever. So, yeah, uh, I will definitely give it a try and talk to y'all about taking it apart and putting it back together again. And uh, I... F- I'm going to have to figure out what voltage I need to put on that. I'm assuming that it's going to be 5 volt, but it could be as high as 12 volt. So, hmm. Okay. That's all I've really been up to. Unless anybody's got any questions, Majid? Okay. So, um, I suppose, well, I joined Mincast. But uh, I suppose we'll talk about that bit a little bit later on. 
Um, so I'll talk about some other wanderings that I've been doing. So um, I bought a MacBook Pro. Now, I know this is not the podcast to be talking about having bought a MacBook Pro, but there's a little bit of history, backstory to this. I've always been an iRefuseNik. I've never had an iPhone. I've um, never had a, any other of these laptops or anything like that. Um, I did have a first-gen uh, iPad mini. Um, I had just started a job teaching at Newcastle University and at a university hospital. So I thought, um, and this was back, what, 2012? And uh, I thought, well, you know, this could be a good kind of uh, portable device that I can use for doing my presentations and things like that. But a Logitech keyboard and everything like that. Uh, no, basically. Um, back in 2012, definitely, um, you couldn't use an iPad for anything, you know, resembling work, um, even if it was just simply teaching. Um, so that only lasted about two, three months before I gave it to my uh, uh, kids. To be fair, I did use it quite well for about good four years i think i mean i know there was a couple of family holidays when we went to saudi and we went to india where they took the tablet with them and you know um so i suppose i did get my money's worth out of it but yeah so that was the only apple device i'd ever had um i then the m1 chip is really compelling um you know when you read about it the especially the you know the performance it can it can have the uh, and all the other Good stuff that has been talked about, you know, all over the internet about the M series chips. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to drop a grand on a new MacBook Air. Um, and that to knowing that I probably wouldn't be able to use Linux on it. Uh, I knew that I know that Asahi was around just at that point, Asahi had only just come on the scene and was just they had an alpha release out. So basically, it was I have to get used to Mac OS. Um, anyway, um, I saw an iPad Air 5, which it, which came out about this time last year, um, with an M1 chip, and I th and this was significantly cheaper. And I thought, well, why not? You know, I mean, it would be a good tablet if nothing else. I thought. Anyway, so I bought it. I went and I went the whole hog. Bought the Magic Keyboard, bought the Apple Pencil, um, and then realized that's almost spent as much if I just really bought a MacBook Air. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Um, at the time, anyway, it was it was my way of saying that I wasn't spending that much money. Um, I really tried, but iPad OS, which is basically just iOS, really, still isn't there. If you have an, any kind of established workflow, whether that's with Windows, whether, whether that's with Linux, whether that's in Android, if you've just got if you've just got used to doing something in a particular way, you're not going to be able to do that on an Apple device. You know, on these Apple iOS devices, anyway, definitely. Um, you know, even a simple thing like you're writing a, I don't know, you're doing, writing an article and you want to put some pictures in. It's just such a convoluted way round. And I'm sure the Apple way is probably good if, for some people, but it just was far too infuriating for me. And I just got more and more annoyed. And then I, I came to the conclusion that this was a failed experiment and, um, it's going to have to go basically. And he actually, even the tablet stuff, the tablet, and everybody talks about how iPad's got the best tablet apps and Android uh, tablets are, have a bit of a bad rep. Mm, not, not as much as I think people make out, actually. Um, I've always ever had Android tablets, about Samsung Galaxy tabs, about Lenovo, about Asus, whatever. I've always been pretty happy with them. Frankly, I've never really needed to change them unless I start 
getting twitchy and thinking, oh, you know, the brand new hotness, my inner magpie starts, you know, calling. And therefore, that's why, you know, but they've always worked really well for me. Um, so, yeah, um, got rid of that. Managed to find, I had a friend who wanted, who wanted to buy an iPad, managed to sell it to him. Um, and then just went back to, you know, normal life, uh, running Linux mainly and sometimes Windows once in a while when I have to, um, for some kind of proprietary program or whatever. Um, and it was about, about two weeks ago when I was, uh, you know, finding some, you know, new icon theme or new layout thing that I was going to put on my install that I thought to myself, everybody always apes Apple. The amount of like, you know, Monterey themes or uh, Ventura, you know, whatever the basically Mac OS icon themes and layouts and docs and everything like that. Everybody kind of does that. I thought maybe I need to actually check out Mac OS properly, but I've already been burnt and I knew that this wasn't going to be anything that I need to do for production or work or anything like that. So I just thought, I wonder if maybe if I get an Intel based MacBook, um, couple of years old I, I could then even if, if it annoys me at least I can put Linux onto that at least I thought so I managed to find I thought it was quite a good deal actually uh, a 2017 MacBook Pro with an 8th gen i5 8 gig of RAM 256 SSD for 190 quid which is about 230 of your US greens that thought was not a bad deal actually I mean the, the, the battery apparently needs servicing but you know as I said I'm not using it for anything mission critical or anything like that so i thought um seemed yeah so it seemed like a good enough deal i don't really get the what the fuss is about mac os it's, it's a bit meh you know it's it's not bad um but i don't exactly understand what the fuss is about it it looks nice i suppose functionality is a bit odd um it's actually not it's actually not that performant on that kind of hardware actually um I don't think it's as bloated as Windows would be on that kind of hardware, but I mean, it's, it's, it, well, it wasn't anything fantastic. And so after about 24 hours, I thought, let's put a Linux install on this. Um, so the question was, uh, how, which one, um, to go for? Um, having dual booted Windows for years, um, I thought it would be, I thought it might be slightly trickier, but not much more. No, it's a little bit more trickier. Um, there was a, so I had to find quite a few online guides on how to do it. They had to do, had to do a bit of manual partitioning, update the firmware, make sure there was enough space on the partition for the Apple device to update the firmware if and when it wants to. Have to be careful with the UFI, the, uh, the UFI partitions. I wanted to try Arch, but I thought that was a little bit, you know, going to be a bit, um, ambitious put it that way especially the only that. way to go is the word you're looking for <laughs> well i mean i haven't really i haven't really tried art on normal devices yet so i have a place to learn you'll never go back <laughs> um and uh, so I, I ended up um going with kd neon actually um i suppose as part of my other wanderings is the fact that i've been recently m moving over to the qt and kd side of things um Linux works much better on that. It, it, it was really quite performant. It was quite fast. Yeah, the battery life was terrible, but then it already was because the battery was a bit shot anyway. Um, That's actually one of the easiest things to fix on an Apple is the battery. Not that it's that. easy. It's it's just, yeah, one of the yeah, easier things. Easiest. Yeah. I mean, it's still soldered on, apparently, the, bat uh, the battery. Uh, 
That doesn't stop Joe. Yeah, you say that, and it just makes me smile. Okay, <laughs> That's Joe's forte. Just send it to Joe. Yeah. So, um, anyway, um, but there were some issues with the, the audio. I was having some issues with some some of the audio stuff. And I then discovered that going back isn't as easy as well. You know, um, going back from a dual boot to a single boot or changing distro or whatever. Why would you want to? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I suppose why would I want to? But, I mean, the point I'm just trying to say is that when... Um, Can you hear me? We lost. I, I can hear you. Yeah, I can't hear you. Can you guys hear me? And there goes yeah, Moss. I hear you, but Joe's gone. Okay, I can still hear everybody. Well, actually, I can't hear Bill now. How about me? I can hear, I can you, hear you now. Well, I can good. hear you, Joe. Was it on my I end? I can't of the... see Joe. Joe went away. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. I do not hear Bill. Oh, now Bill's, Bill's gone. gone. Oh, and Joe's gone. <laughs> and then there were two. Welcome to Mintcast with Moss and Majid. <laughs> Can oh, you see me now? Back. Yep. Do we need to zero anything? Uh, Audacity shouldn't have been impacted. Okay. That had to be Kinda. something server side, unless it was just me that had the problem. Nope, nope. You were gone. It was the Video Ninja. I just refreshed it. For some reason, it... I don't know. Maybe I should. I'm yeah, going to... we had a two-man show again. <laughs> I'm going to refresh all of my network hardware here quite soon because I'm thinking that uh, the stuff I've got, the hardware I've got upstairs is just not up to snuff anymore. Well, let's let Majid finish his bike, yeah. please. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Give me a sec. Woo-woo. Well, you were talking about um, yeah, the yeah, older yeah. So, MacBook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, I just found that it was more difficult to go back if I ever wanted to, if there was any you know issues and things like that. So, it's an interesting uh, project, something I can you know mess around with, but yeah, I'm not sold on Mac OS yeah. or anything like that. Uh, and you would have been extremely disappointed if you had put um, Linux on the M1. Just because I think hardware acceleration is barely starting mm. to be implemented. Yeah. So it's going to be a while before it's 100%. Yeah. I wonder if hardware acceleration is a big deal, though, on that platform, because you're not going to be gaming on it. Um, well, a lot of people use Mac hardware in order to do, like, video editing and audio mm. editing and a lot of your visual stuff. So um, I would assume that hardware acceleration is extremely helpful. I am going to, and that's the other thing I'm going to fix in the future. I'm going to go with an NVIDIA, because apparently OBS on Linux does not support hardware acceleration unless you've got an NVIDIA card, because it works on my Omen, but it does not work on this one, because I'm running these. I've got two separate AMD video cards on this. So in the future, I'm going to be looking at that. But you're. Yeah, still Apple. No, I'm still not. Not sold. And that's just not me being, you know, I don't like big bad companies. It's just I don't understand what's so great about it. Then it's just the hipster thing, you know. Yeah, I, I will say that the iPads and and their 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 laptops they all have really really good screens. I mean, even yes. the first gen iPad still has an absolutely incredible screen. The only problem is is that you can't really load software onto it anymore because it's not getting updates. But the screen, if you can still get like the internet to work on it, just still just blows you away with how good it looks. 
So what's going to be my next project? Well, I've got a Raspberry Pi 400 and this kind of little um, start off with Mincast is me, my first kind of real life exposure to Nextcloud as an act for actual working type things. It all just been kind of like an academic thing for me before. I've been using things like Mega and I've got some Google Drive and OneDrive storage, which I I only use because I it's kind of like a grandfather plan, one I'd had maybe years and years ago. So I've still got like 25 gigs somewhere or 50 gigs, something like that. You know, that's the only reason I've kept it. Um, but yeah, I've been wondering whether to use the Raspberry Pi. Uh, you can apparently turn that into your own personal next cloud server, and then I'll have my own personal cloud, I suppose. And I can kind of, uh, you know, connect to it in and out. You know, I've got a, um, uh, a couple of hard drives I can attach, attach to it. So it might be something I might try out. Um, as I was kind of mentioning, I've kind of been moving away from GNOME to KDE. Um, I always thought KDE was a bit bloaty and laggy. Uh, I know that um, they've done a lot to try and uh, move away from that, but it was still probably a, a belief I had. Um, but I actually you know, tried out the uh, latest uh, Kubuntu. And I was actually pretty impressed with how performant it was on the hardware that I have. Um, yeah, even Discover works well. these days. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it worked really well. And um, KD Connect obviously works better on a KD distro um, than GS Connect, which is the kind of hacky GNOME version. I don't know if it is a specific fork or if it's just KD con connecting a different wrapper. Um, so, yeah. Um, I have wondered about Arch Moss, <laughs> Bill, um, but I'm just I'm just a bit twitchy about doing it on anything that I actually use for like real life work. Try try no. something uh, Arch based and Arch derivative. Go with Garuda. I have been recommending big Linux, but they seem to have dropped their biggest feature, the big store. If you uh, want, Manjaro a, was the one I was thinking. Just well, Manjaro is a has has diverged quite a bit from Arch. If you want to actually learn Arch, but you want to dip your toes into it, Endeavor OS is your way to go by far. That is that is okay. a fine Arch based distro, and it will give you. It's just a little bit of hand holding to kind of ease you into the experience. It Whereas does with work well, but it's really bad for uh, multi booting. Yeah, Moss has some rather unique problems when he yeah. installs sometimes because he's I've done got it on many machines, and he's <laughs> he's got like more than two operating systems on some machines, and it I, I've never been able to duplicate some of the problems as he's that he's had. <laughs> um, well, I had that one machine that I had uh, twelve distros on, and I was going to expand it to twenty, and midpoint I decided to just knock it back to eight. Yeah, I, I'm not doing that these days. I, I have settled down. I am only doing two or maybe three. I mean, of but, course, this could, this could be a rather reason for me to buy another test laptop. Obviously, do you know what I mean? Because obviously, you know. But I mean, nowadays with the, I mean, if you've got a little bit of sense, you can work your way through that new Arch install, and I love it because it speaks better FS and it creates uh, sub volumes and everything. If you're gonna put one distro on a machine. There is no problem with Endeavor. I would also suggest, however, looking in another direction. I always talk about Open Mandriva a lot, and nobody else listens to me, but uh, it's a beautiful distro, and it 
Right. Everything that you day, used to love in Mandrake. There used to be a fork of that back in the day. Magia. Magia. That Magia, was on the- it, Magia and Open Mandriva are similar, but Open Mandriva is much more rounded out these days. Magia has some of the original developers, but Open Mandriva has almost all of the original community. I mean, that Magia was curious about 10, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, it was yeah, at yeah. the top of uh, Distro Watch list. Yeah, I mean, it stayed at the top of Distro Watch and nobody could figure out. And I thought it was just because it was because everybody was so curious. They were hitting the website and it was running those numbers up, you know. Uh, well, the, so, the new hot thing is uh, Open Mandriva Rome, which is a slow rolling distro. And it already has some of the next version of Open Mandriva's programs running on it. I've just always liked Arch because if you're if you're wanting the latest software, like if you're waiting on if, if a problem comes up in software and you're wanting it fixed fast, then Arch is going to be your way to go because you're going to get it as soon as it becomes available, basically. And I've been running. You know, you hear a lot of talk, mostly by people that don't run it, uh, talking about how unstable it is and how you run the risk of this and run the risk of that and i can tell you i've been running it for 15 years and it is it is very seldom you run into a problem where you have to go and do a little bit of digging to find the answer to it um if you run manjaro do not run the gui updater because sooner or later they they change the actual repos on a regular basis and the updater doesn't get that Okay. Um, outside of computers, I suppose um, I've really been loving Star Trek Picard season three. I've always been a Trekkie, um, um, and you know, for me, the next generation is peak Star Trek. I don't know if that's heresy. Really, it's because your age. Yeah, that's got to be a it. bone to pick with that. Though, nah, too. let's just let's just have this out right here. A- episode <laughs> nine. <laughs> acted like season two never happened oh yeah that is true that is true but that's because season two was just terrible whether it was terrible or not they fixed the borg and now we have the old borg back and no no description nothing no nobody knows what happened just all of a sudden the old borg are back well have you seen picard yet moss yeah i'm talking season three episode nine oh you're talking about picard i thought you were talking about Next generation, okay. Um, no, season two, they fixed the Borg. Uh, Dr. Gerardi actually merged with the Borg Queen. Well, may- maybe that's what the, the uh, it's going to be in the finale. I don't know. See, I haven't made it through season two yet. Uh, so, because okay. well, they fixed the Borg a couple of times during TNG, and I mean, well, come yeah, on. but the, the, the Borg really had more of a uh. A- happening in uh, Voyager. Mm, yeah, true. They did a lot of interesting things with the Borg in some of the books that were written. Uh, yeah, but those don't count. Yeah. Oh, they, and I would happen. argue your next point as well. I, I am enjoying season three of Mandalorian. No, I mean, okay, <laughs> oh, okay, some, some I love that. Season three, okay. It's not bad at all. It's well, have you seen the latest episode? It's not good either. <laughs> Have you seen the latest episode? No, yeah, I haven't seen, seen this last okay. episode. You will change your opinion based on okay. this last episode. So we will, we will have this conversation again. 
No, I, okay. I saw the one on Wednesday, the one that's just gone past, and it was it was all right. Okay. It just see it, it I, wasn't as good as the first season, and the second season had a bit of a drop off, and now this third one it dropped off. Well, again. I think For it's me, really personally. weird that the armorer dropped her whole problem with Bo Katan just because she got washed in the water again. But still. I know it's just. <laughs> Well, no, and then told her to take off the 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 helmet. Yeah, and, and, and there is walk, some goofy stuff in that blah, show. Blah, blah, blah. Putting the kid into that robot suit that was kind of goofy and dumb, and I'm yeah, not sure I mean, what purpose it, it, that served. I mean, I mean, I mean, the, at the end of the well, day, the kid never even switch, finished his his oath. He no, was interrupted by the monster. It's another the Star Wars. That's another switch, thing. Yeah, where they say it's about one thing, but it's actually about something else. So it's called the Mandalorian. They should just call it the Bo-Katan show. That's what really it is. <laughs> I kind of thought but, they oh, were. No, just for season three, though. I mean, you didn't have that problem with season one and two. Yeah, well, that true. But the point I'm well, trying season to say is, two, so, so there are some uh, people like me who haven't seen the Clone Wars, who haven't seen all the animated stuff, right? And so same here. for me, I've watched same here. I got them, kids that all. give me and they give me the Cliff Notes version of it. Yeah, so it's kind of so. There's a lot of stuff here that's just completely, completely going over my head. I, I watched and like Rebels. other people that are like fine. saying, "Oh, look!" But you know, she was in this episode, they, and this, that, and the other, and like, they did do okay. a lot of assuming about their audience with some of these shows, with the canon and that, because they think people well, are very much like and, Star you know, Trek. If yeah. you haven't watched Boba Fett, again, you'd be a bit behind as well, because there was quite a few Mandalorian episodes in the Boba Fett. Series. Yeah, two. Yeah, Still. Boba Fett actually half of the Boba Fett season was just another. No, I would say two. Two episodes. <laughs> two episodes were were okay. Boba Fett were uh, Boba Fett were Mandalorian episodes. The last two. Let, let's a, move on to the cricket. and about that kid not not finishing his oath. I bet you I bet you any amount of money that that's going to play into the story later on. He's going to take his helmet off because his dad gets well. Okay, spoiler alert: his dad gets killed in this episode. Mm. Interesting and, point. Do you know who his dad was voiced by? Uh, no, John Favreau. I'm, really? Yeah. So well, he, he needs to be killed off that, anyhow. That's the only. <laughs> actually been the thing himself why because he was big was it was this a size jealousy I, thing? I, I just noticed it on the um the credits <laughs> oh cool you know. okay uh, um okay uh just finishing off the wanderings i'm really loving four the Indian show. premier league which is a, a cricket tea uh, thing i know you americans don't do cricket but apparently this oh yeah i use them for bait yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, this form of the game is actually coming to America. It's going to be called Major League Cricket, you know, like Major League Soccer. <laughs> is it look, coming? Yeah. Look, the Pens recently We've had got Major knocked League out Lacrosse of, for several years, and it look, hasn't got. It's not Major League. The Penguins got it. knocked out of the running for for the playoffs for hockey. So I'm done watching sports for the year. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is. I mean, you know, it, it's completely different. You know, it's a three hour game. There's definitely a winner and a loser. There's a lot. You know, there's a lot oh, of with hockey there. There is always a winner and a loser. No, there is no tie in hockey. Have, people keep, yeah, that's keep why thinking that cricket is hockey. just a oh, it's a five day game, and somebody and at the end of it, somebody nobody wins, and you know it's just all lazy people sitting around in the sunshine drinking beer. Yeah, it takes kind of five it. days to have, have a but score that's this like twelve hundred to two, and a hockey <laughs> game lasts at minimum what one hour and forty minutes at minimum, and usually at least two two hours to two and a half hours. So. Anyway, if you, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, well, I mean, obviously I'm biased because, like, 
I'm of, I'm of Indian extraction, so it's kind of in my DNA to like cricket. But I mean, you know, I have been enjoying it. It's been very close. Do you have the white he's... pants and the sweater? You, you're saying you saying the reason I like hockey is because I'm this white. You know it's what? Kinda, no, it's kind of. Did you play the national sport of India? Huh? Hockey. National sport of India officially in the constitution is hockey. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, both India and Pakistan. <clears throat> wow. I'm waiting Probably for Russia Australian too. Rails rules football to get here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> work-wise, has been a bit busy because we've had a junior doctor strike uh, that's been going on. I really do feel for them because, you know, they have basically had a real terms pay cut of about 30% over the last 10 years. And I think now people are voting with their feet. There's a lot of people going to Canada, going to America, going to Australia. I think you guys are going to see a lot more British trained doctors because they're just fed up of the you know, relatively crap wage for the amount of work that they have to do. Um, so uh, it made my life a bit busier, but uh, I, I, I support them. To be completely honest. Now, is that, I, I'm not familiar with this particular portion of politics. Is that an actual pay cut or is it a problem with inflation not meet, meeting um, pay rises? So, the, so a, a pay freeze was put on all doctors in 2008. That Yikes. pay freeze has stayed. Yikes. That has not, it, yeah. So therefore, 15, 15 years. Yeah. 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 And, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> when you calculate it out, it comes out to a real terms decrease of 30%. I wouldn't. And, you know, we're talking about people who are working 56 hours a week, people who literally did put their lives on the line during COVID, you know. And um, we used to have this thing called Clap for Carers. Every Thursday at 8 o'clock, everybody would come out onto the street during the lockdowns and clap for the NHS. And it's like, you know what would be better than a bunch of random people clapping? A proper wage. More pay. Yeah. You no, know, we hear uh, you. Have to get rid of the Tories to do that, though. Uh, yeah. The problem is there's no bloody money because the Tories have torched it all. But anyway, that's beside the point. I'll go. Uh, then I'll get. Then we'll get really political. Somebody told him money was low. you just love all the money that the that UK is making now that they left the EU? They just hand over don't fist. Even, we get to keep all our get, money. Brexit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> don't even talk, get me talking, talking about that, mate. Don't get me we, we have been, right, frankly, we but. have taken a lot of heat on this team about talking American politics, and uh, we're yeah, sorry. No, I can talk British <laughs> politics as long as you want. No, no, you know. talking I politics, know. talking politics. People get upset about that because we're 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 a Linux show. But you know, if we find this interesting, we're going to talk about it because yeah, this yeah, is yeah. our show. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well then, I'm, ain't I'm, nobody I'm, paying I'm, us to make this show. <laughs> you start paying us, then you can tell us what to talk about, what not to talk about. Until and then, time. I suppose depends uh, on how much they're paying us too. That too, yeah. I said paid with a capital P. <laughs> so, um, and I suppose the last thing to mention is that it is the uh, Muslim holy month of Ramadan, uh, which is a fasting where you're supposed to abstain from uh, food and drink and sex during the daylight hours. Uh, being diabetic, uh, <laughs> being diabetic, I'm not doing it because um, I've been told by my doctors that would be a good idea for me. You have to maintain uh, your blood sugar all day. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but the rest of the family are, so it's quite nice actually getting some family time. You know, because everybody's kind of in it together, if you know what I mean. And meal time, hungry and grumpy. Those, <laughs> you know, and lots of uh, people coming around with you know sweet treats and things like that. You know, to open your fast with and stuff. So it's it's nice. No, I have to. I have to ask you. Being diabetic, do you have the um, automated insulin pump? No, I've, I'm on. Uh, I'm on. I have my own injections, which I take. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, I'm not on the insulin pump yet, thankfully. Hope I don't get that far. Although I must say, the people I do know who are on it say it has really helped their lives. Well, know, there, there's a couple of different uh, styles of insulin pump. For a while in the U.S., it was really difficult to get a hold of the one that would um, do the constant blood readings and then mm -hmm. uh, adjust the amount of insulin that was given. And it actually was a really great way to reduce your overall insulin usage. Yeah. Just just from my research, because my, my sister and um, my dad and uh, a couple of my grandparents all type 2 diabetic, so... <clears throat> You know, we could go ahead and discuss this in the internet. Well, yeah, that actually is a, a very open source topic. And, and a lot of the articles that I used to read on it, I can't freaking find anymore. But yeah, if he's not doing the pump, then I guess that might be a conversation for a different day. I feel like we talked about that once before, the insulin we, pumps. I, I, it is one of my favorite topics. So Yeah. Well, he's all pumped up on it. <laughs> So, yeah, without uh, further ado, let's move on to our Linux innards. Now, um, what are we, we doing? Well, we've got a new host, and uh, it's... Okay, I guess I'll go ahead and say it. Welcome to Mintcast, Majid. Why don't you? Uh, we got some questions listed here, but All right. um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And well, before we get to that, I also wanted to mention that we, the reason um, our innards is just this interview portion is also because we were supposed to have, I think, two others at one point, and then it was down to. Um, one other person other than Majid and that person had to cancel at the last minute because of personal reasons and stuff came up at home. So we can grill him next episode. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So my name's Majid. Um, and, um, I'm a doctor, uh, working anesthesiology, uh, here in the UK. Um, I specialize in, uh, pediatrics, so kids operations. Um, also do quite a bit of teaching, uh, involved in a couple of educational, uh, things with our Royal College. Um, so I suppose the first question normally is this, so wait a minute, why are you into Linux? I'm, I, I guess that would be your first question, right? That's well, what it says on my page. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't say why it says what got you into Linux is the first okay. question, but we can start with why are you into Linux? I like that one too. Yes. What's the difference? I mean, I, I think I've always thought that it, medicine as a career is not one thing. There's lots of different aspects, you know, of doctors. You know, there's surgeons, there's uh, physicians, there's family doctors, there's uh, anesthetists, anesthesiologists, there's radiologists, whatever. And I find that different personality types end up in, you know, different fields. So if you if you ever come to my hospital, you find that there's a preponderance of cyclists fitness freaks and techies who are anesthesiologists you find a lot of people who are into diy are often surgeons you know um etc etc you know and so i think there's obviously something in my uh uh my psyche that is you know predisposed to technology and i always have been i mean i remember getting my first computer when i was seven it was an amstrad cpc 464 with the tape deck you know um and you know, during the 90s, I was a big kind of, you know, Amiga fan. I had multiple different Amigas. I would be programming. I'd always be having a go at my mates who were, who had uh, 
Sega or SNES and say, look, yeah, but you're just a console. Mine's a proper computer and that kind of uh, stuff. So I've, I've always been interested in technology, but obviously with the demands of a job, you know, working in a hospital and things like that, you know, I just didn't really have time to do anything um, tech related. I mean, it's interesting. I, and I suppose part of it also comes down to the fact that, you know, I hit a certain age when computers became less appealing and heavy metal and girls became more appealing. You know, so I think there's there's a little bit of that probably as well. That um, was but, the 90s um, for me. Hey, a one terabyte hard drive is heavy metal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, I mean, I've heard the new Metallica albums just came out yesterday. I haven't listened to it yet. but I'm, I need 72 seasons? Yeah, 72 seasons, yeah. The, the, the single sounded good. Um, I'll download it on Napster. <laughs> sure. so um yeah so for a long time i couldn't do anything you know kind of tech related because i was just too bloody busy working or if i was at home you know i had a young family all that sort of thing and so you know i didn't really have time and it was about be about 2010 2011 first um you know um i started getting to smartphones you know android um got my got a htc hero got a nexus s started you know dabbling a little bit there and then um i had some major exams that i needed to do to the equivalent of board exams in the U u.s and once i'd done them i had some free time finally and i thought well, you know i need to have a bit of a life again because my entire life had just been devoted to my job for years and so i thought i need to try and get back and have do some normal stuff and so i came across this i used to have this old laptop um an intel centrino something one gig around and it was it ran windows xp and it was an absolute pie about five minutes to load up 10 minutes to check your email and i came across something on the internet saying oh here's a, a an operating system that you can burn onto a cd that you can then put into your laptop and it would look like an amiga that's that was that was the um i think it's called vision os or something um so i tried that and it looked pretty cool and it was, you know, I got a bit of kind of 90s kicks out of it. And then I started digging a little bit digger, deeper into, well, what exactly is this operating system? And then I came across, well, this is this thing called Linux. Um, okay. And then I, I thought, okay, let, let me look a bit more into Linux. And then, you know, before you know it, I'd, I'd come across Ubuntu and I was burning Ubuntu onto CDs. And then, you know, um, I, I just found that was just an amazing thing. The idea that I could have an operating system that I could just take around with me, my own personal computer as it was without having a laptop um and uh, that's kind of how it started really um i think uh, i remember i remember using ubuntu this would have been the first year that they were using unity so i never used gnome 2 so um i, I missed all that um i came on when they did they did move over to unity and then i came across mint um, i would have been 12.04 yes i think actually technically it was 11.10 but yeah 12.04 was an LTS. I remember the, 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 there was a big thing about, oh, this is an LTS with the Unity on. And yeah, then I came across Linux Mint. And then it's just, you know, I messed around, distro hopping, using this, using that. I've used, um, I used a fair load of distros, bought different laptops to check this out, check that out. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how it all uh, started, really. I think there's also the... Um, there's also the thing about you see people, you don't want to be an, an eye sheep, as it were. You don't want to be 
following the crowd. You want to be your own thing. You want to be a bit of a contrarian. I think that's probably also part of it in my psyche. You know, I'm always been the kind of guy who always wants to be slightly different. Do you know what I mean? And so, so do you use Linux at work or just as a hobby? So I use Linux as an enthusiast. I use Linux for my basic computing needs and things that I want to do on a computer. With the kind of work that I'm doing, they, I suppose I can't really use it at work. Um, I did have some ideas for anesthetic record keeping, uh, you know, drug taking, uh, not drug taking, drug uh, stocking and things like that. Yeah, drug taking as well. But it's not, you don't need Linux to do take drugs. Uh, no, sure but it, it, it helps to keep track on a spreadsheet. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. You keep, keep your LibreOffice uh, yeah. uh, spreadsheet going. Um, but yeah, so I haven't used it. So I, as I said, just because of the line of work that I'm in. But, you know, there is a uh, society called, doctors love their societies. The Society for Computing and Technology and Anesthesiology, which I'm a member, actually presented that their thing. So, um, Maybe something I can use in the, you know, on that thing. But mainly I just use it because it really works. It does what I want it to do. I can configure, I can configure the way I want it to do. And yeah, it's just better experience on the computer. Um, and in that early period, um, I started, um, you know, that's when I discovered podcasts as well. As a, uh, and in the Google Reader days when it still used to be around. And um, that's when I first came across Minkcast, actually. I remember it was about, it must have been about 2012, because I was listening to Rob and Scott while I was on a holiday once, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's a little bit odd for me to be actually on the program. I listened to it like about 10 years ago. But uh, uh, it's kind of cool, isn't it? Don't forget We're to mute, Moss. Don't forget to what? Mute. I am muting. <laughs> However, you don't hear me muting. But my audacity is muted. Okay, okay. Uh, because screw all those people watching on YouTube. Right? They get all <laughs> the good stuff. <laughs> they get the hot outtakes. Right. You are part of the process. Okay, so you, you started using Linux because uh, they had a distro that was similar to the uh, Amiga? Yeah. It's a bit sad, okay. I know, but I mean, you know. It's not sad. <laughs> Oh no! Everybody has their own ways in, I suppose. Mm -hmm. We all love Amiga. Yeah, I did. Oh, and and when it comes to your um, Pi four hundred, the the guy to talk to is is Bill. Talk to Bill. Mm -hmm. I heard one. It's well, running. We have Amiga OS for the Pi four hundred too, <clears throat> and he also has Nextcloud set up. And I know you were talking about setting that up. Yeah, Mentcast.org yeah. is running on a Pi four hundred. Excellent. This one right here. Okay, so what are your distros? So, um, all roads seem to have led to Ubuntu so far. Every time I've tried to move away from an Ubuntu flavor or Ubuntu-based distro, like, say, Mint, as an example, I always end up back there because every time I seem to balk a computer or mess up an install or whatever, it only, I, I always manage to be able to fix it with a, a live, live USB of, um, of Ubuntu, basically. Um, and so, uh, as I said, I've done a lot of distro hopping. I've, uh, I did settle on just plain vanilla Ubuntu about maybe two years ago. And I thought, look, I'm just going to keep this uh, and keep going with this. But um, So, GNOME 3? Yeah. And I, I actually, as I said, for me, as I never used GNOME 2, it's never been a, like, you know, this is what I've known, if you know what I mean, you know. 
for me, Ubuntu was all it was Unity, and then it was GNOME three. So I know that a lot of people um, had issues, and you know uh, that's how Mate kind of came about. And in fact, you can say that's how Cinnamon came about because people wanted to have a more traditional desktop paradigm. It's fine, um, but I never really kind of had that to go to go back to. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thing I like about GNOME, or the thing I liked about GNOME, I still like about GNOME. What am I saying? Is that I actually think it's a really good op, uh, desktop environment if you've got um, either a convertible or a two-in-one or a tablet with a keyboard. Um, I've, I've said that about GNOME 3. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember I... Um, so as a, uh, the, one of the first kind of podcasts I used to do uh, was on a British uh, mobile phone, one called Cool Smartphone. Um, I, think it's, uh, I think it's shut down now. Um, but, um, at the time this would have been about 2015 ish, 2016. And I remember one of the articles that I actually wrote for the website was why I thought GNOME 3 was the convertible OS that everybody's looking for, you know, that we, windows are trying, windows tried, you know, having this, you know, windows eight Metro style, modern UI, all that sort of jazz. Um, and you know, convertible form factors, this, that, and the other, um, and it, Actually, yeah, I thought GNOME worked the best on any of those. And that's still and and that was back in 2015, 2016. It's even more now. Normally, well, if you remember, you. those those things came out about the same time, the GNOME 3 and then the whole Metro thing with mm-hmm. Windows 8 and that. And it kind of felt as though that was the direction we were just kind of go, going to have to get used to. The thing I found about te- uh, t- uh, touchscreen on a laptop, what I found about that is once you get one, it's very, di- you kind of get used to having one, you know, um, and I don't know if that is because so many other things we've got are touch devices, you know, like phones and tablets and whatever. I don't like macaroni and cheese on my screen. <laughs> you could be eating broccoli right now. Yes. Yeah, but I do find yeah. myself, you know, my hand goes to switch things off, you know, um, and or, or whatever on, on my screen or, you know, uh, KD's got some interesting touchscreen gestures actually, which are a bit like those old Metro ones now. Well, this kind of two things. One, Norbert would agree with you about GNOME 3 and touchscreen. And then my next question would be, did you, um, have you tried out Fedora, which also has GNOME 3 stock? Yes. So in my hands, because I'm not as technical as you guys, whenever I put on Fedora, I'd always end up (laughs) messing up my dual boots or whatever. Every time I've tried it, I've got it. That's because you're trying to dual boot. Probably, um, yeah. That's just so, crazy, yo. <laughs> I suppose, isn't it, Moss? Um, I'm rolling. So, I mean, so, so actually, so interestingly, I have actually burned a, a USB of Fedora, which I want to try on one of the one of the touchscreen devices I've got, but I haven't had the guts to do it yet because it has to be something that I don't that I'm not bothered if it dies. One, one of the hilarious things you're going to notice being on this show um, is the fact that. Moss does not consider himself very technical. Yeah, <laughs> I remember being really set back by that. I do really good with multi-booting, but if there's a problem to come up, the best thing to do is reinstall. Look, or a problem comes up with the else. computer, the best thing to do is nuke and pave. Yeah. Well, but Dale Miracle doesn't see things that way. He actually gets in and finds out what's wrong and fixes it. I don't, I don't have all day. Look, I, I like doing this stuff. And I still don't have all day to go in there and diagnose something that's wrong, which is why all my data is on a separate hard drive. So that way my hard drive that, you know, 
has the operating system. All I got to do is, is wipe it out and then <clears throat> put something new on it and point it to all the right places. And I still I'm need to train no myself to use RescueZilla because you can literally make an ISO of what, what you've got working right now. And then when you need a nuke and pave, you can start there <laughs> instead of start from scratch. Yeah. I've also um, done DDs for that. Now, see, that's I mean, techie. DD is the, out the, of my... <laughs> the, the, um, the, the new Compave, I did that on a couple of machines, and the problem I found with that was not so much that there was a problem with the machine, but if later on I wanted... My wife wants me to have at least some vague handle on our family's finances, yeah? And so when, if I buy, if I you know want to buy something new, it's like, okay, you've got to sell something. Got to make at least some effort to try and balance the books, and so I found that it was um, it's more difficult to sell a laptop on if you've already got rid of the Windows partition. You that, can put that, that back on. No, no. See, the whole thing is is that with modern laptops, um, th this is where I'm going to disagree with you on modern laptops. Okay. If you install Windows on, have Windows installed on them, it's actually stored in the BIOS. The key is stored in the BIOS, and you can go out to Windows website, download their image for free, put it on um, a USB stick for free, install it, and the uh, the key code, all that jazz, it's already there, it's already ready to go. Windows is reinstalled, and it's brand new, and hey, look, Windows, have fun. And the next person that starts it up will get like an OEM experience starting it up the first time. You can actually get 11, 10, and 8.1. Maybe not 8.1. I don't know if you can download 8 anymore. I know you can get I, they, 10. Yeah, I know you can get 10 and 11. I know. Okay, so yeah, it's, it's 10 and 11 you can get, and that's how I get the ISO when I'm making a virtual machine, is I get it directly from Microsoft, which I it's a good idea to do that anyway. That way you can have it. When you buy a computer at the store, it comes with all that garbage cruft, you know. I, I've been known to take a computer like that and wipe it and reinstall Windows on it. I go on like, eBay and search for no OS, and it's yeah. usually 100 bucks or, no or hard more drive, cheaper. Yeah. yeah, no hard drive. Well, the problem with no hard drive is some machines actually have to have their own particular caddy for that hard drive. Well, I have a 3D printer and 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 a caliper. I don't. <laughs> have you got duct tape? Or two-sided tape will do it, too. Yeah. There's ways of getting that thing to just stay but put. Two-sided tape, you best be ready to heat that thing up if you ever want to remove it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, well, so, so, so maybe, Back yeah, yeah, maybe I, don't, I don't need to be as careful then. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> this will nah. be me destroying all my machines now. <laughs> No, like my, my latitude, um, that, uh, the tablet that I, 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 yeah. you know, say is the greatest thing ever. I quit using it when I got my one GX. Um, my wife needed something to work on. I put windows back on it. I, I'm not buying a key. I just handed it to her and the old key worked. Yeah. Just didn't have to worry about it. I'm not sure if it's in the BIOS or if it's hashed server side somewhere when you sign into your account. Um, Maybe. I know I don't have any problem on my um, gaming laptop either, and it's yeah. a little bit older. So, ever since eight, actually, whenever I would go to re reinstall it, just you, I've not typed in a key since the Windows Seven days. So, it's well, anyhow. Back so yeah, that's the only thing that's uh, <laughs> um, why I normally key uh, normally dual boot just so that I sell the machine on. So your favorite is. Favorite distro then is Ubuntu. Um, do you use the flavors? Yeah. Uh, so as it says, uh, what I'm using now at the minute is Kubuntu. 
that's why I'm using at the at the moment because as I said, I want to try. I'm quite liking KD actually. Do you use things like Lubuntu on um, like lower spec hardware? Yeah, so like that? I I have done in the past. I've used uh, Lubuntu. I've used. Uh, remember when Mint used to have a XS, XFCE version? Mm. Version. I've used yep. that. They still do. Did is, did they still have it? I yeah, thought it was just cinnamon and maintenance. No, they they used to have a KDE version. They don't. Yeah, have I remember that. Anymore. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, on the lower spec machines, you might want to look at Linux Lite or Zorin Lite. They're yeah, both Ubuntu heard, based and tried, they're real yeah. simple. Well, as yeah, an I Ubuntu guy, Linux I was Lite just Lite. asking. Yeah, I, I was asking if he was using the the lighter Ubuntu flavors. Yeah, I mean, it seems apparently now Unity is a class as a lighter flavor. You know, is it I mean, not I, really? I don't know. No. I I have been talking to. Uh, <clears throat> um, Rudra quite a bit about that, and no, it's it's sort of midweight. Uh, um, if you get a Unity <clears throat> distro installed, it's going to be 800, 850 megabytes with nothing else running. As far as responsiveness that goes, <coughs> I've I've noticed lately, in the last couple of years or so, they've all been pretty good. As long as you've got at least four gig of RAM, you're going to have yeah. a good experience on yeah. I mean, all I think that's desktops. also no. the thing, isn't it? I mean, like. So this machine that I am uh, talking to you guys on, this one's a, probably my more powerful machine. It's got 16 gigs of RAM and it's got uh, uh, 11th gen i5 uh, with a 512 SSD. Yeah, that's top and, end right there. Yeah, and yeah. this is this is absolutely, you know, this flies through everything. I, I remember the other day I was installing something and I couldn't believe how quickly it happened. And I thought, yes, because for once, Matt, did you actually have a decent spec computer? <laughs> rather than buying cheaper ones on eBay. Yeah. And it really helps when you're when you're doing editing of any kind of content whatsoever. All that extra speed helps. Yeah. Now so, you mentioned uh you worked with podcasts before. Have you been on a podcast before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I so as I said, I um I used to be on the Cool Smartphone podcast um in the UK, which was a more as it sounds like a smartphone uh one. Um, then, uh, I was on the tech travel geeks podcast. They're actually a YouTube channel. Um, they've stopped, they've kind of stopped doing the podcast cause they now, they're mainly uh, focused on the video content now. Um, you, in fact, you've probably seen, I don't know if you've been to Android, you watch Android podcasts or thing. You probably know the guy, Matteo Doni. Uh, he comes on a couple of the, like, you know, all about Android and things like that. Um, you know, I used to watch all about Android, but yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, and so um, so so I was on that, and then uh, during and then I I I met a friend who is a she's a dentist and she has a podcast and I thought dentistry podcast a bit odd, um, but you know it seemed to work. Seems like her. be good to sink your teeth into. Available <laughs> for weddings, birthdays, <laughs> and bar mitzvahs. Um, but um, and so um. I then thought, why don't I have my own? If you know, if a dentist can have one, why can't an anesthesiologist have one? You know. So, um, I, and this also kind of coincided with the lockdowns, you know, during COVID. So I was kind of sat at home and didn't have much else to do anyway. Um, and so I started my, uh, I started my own podcast called Atypical Anesthetist uh, on Spotify. And my plan was to have really extremely varied topics. Um, in fact, we've only had, we've not actually talked about medicine once yet. Actually, we've had one on gaming, 
had uh, a couple of religious ones. We had one on politics. I have a friend who's uh, involved in the Labour Party and he seemed to be higher up than I anticipated. It's like he dropped... You know when people like drop a reference and you're like going, excuse me, what? <laughs> it's like uh, I, I was having a discussion with him saying, oh, what do you think of the new Labour leader? And he goes, I had lunch with him once. I didn't think he was all that. Excuse me, what? You had lunch with It's like you're angry because if you knew he was that useful, you would have been you'd have been tapping into that long exactly. time ago. Exactly. And it's like, dude. <laughs> or like, you know, the other, or the other day when he you know, he came up from London Oops, and he kind of went Oh, I've been invited to this uh Eid thing at the at Downing Street. I can't really attend. Do you wanna go? What? <laughs> <laughs> come from Rashad. do you know what I mean? it's like, oh, well, anyway anyway uh, so um so I've, I've done all these now unsurprisingly if you've got extremely varied and random topics on your podcast you're hardly going to be the most likely uh the most popular um so it's not really kind of gone anywhere but i enjoy it it's i've i feel it's interesting and that's what's um, important yeah. and if you're you know, the one I think, yeah, out? I think it's a different uh, um Actually, my most well-received episode has actually been one where it's been a single-hander. It's just been me talking about um, the the thing I the the thing I actually I love about America um, is that in America you can have multiple identities and be American. You can be Italian American, you can be Irish American, you can be African American, whatever. It's not. Um, you can be a butthole American. Yeah, it, you can be Florida, man. You know, <laughs> you, you, it's, it, it's part of the experience, isn't it? Everybody's yeah. got a different kind of background, stuff like that. It's not really the same thing in the UK. You know, um, being English is a, it's like, it's like a racial or an ethnic group. Do you know what I mean? You can't be Indian and English, if you know what I mean. Um, and so I, I remember doing this whole um, uh, episode about, you know, having kind of, one foot in one country and one foot in another country, you know, being a bit, you know, being too English to be an Indian and being too Indian to be an Englishman, do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And um, that was actually quite well received, actually. I had quite a few people saying that was very... Uh, uh, so, obviously, there are some people who do like listening to um, me talking about random stuff. Uh, I, I was actually trying to get um, some Linux guys on to the podcast. I was... Uh, I'd love to get like Joe Ressington or uh, the guys from Late Night Linux. On. Triggered, look, look <laughs> triggered. Joe, Moss. Joe is a great guy. I love. I I, I like talking to Joe. Uh, well, we'll get the Moss's beef with Joe in just a no, second. No, we won't. Okay, that's fine then. But it's also he's also not the easiest person to work with when it comes to podcasts because he's very very exacting about his audio quality, and I can understand his perspective because he actually makes money doing this. I do enjoy his and show, though. I understand though, it, too, but he doesn't understand my perspective. I've yeah. noticed the American the American Linux podcasts. For some reason, we're supposed to be the bubbly, positive type. We're not, no, but we're yeah. most I'm, of the more, more prolific ones. I'm not going to name names. No, I life, mean, there's a, don't there's talk there's to there's me about know, life, <laughs> JB. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say there's ones that are named after a planet. Um, <laughs> broadcasting company, yeah. which I, I I couldn't get on with because they were. I thought they were named too... after a rocket. I met those guys. Did I'm you? Sure they're lovely guys. I'm sure they are. Yeah. The, the program was just too. It's the same thing with the actually the Android. Uh, um, I got to be in the right mood America to listen to that. Well, but 
you know, maybe maybe it's just maybe it's just being a Brit and being a bit acerbic and sarcastic and grumpy. Yeah. You know, we live in the, we live in a place which rains all the time and nothing ever works. And the food. We don't sucks. know anything about sarcasm or being grumpy on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, we've made sarcasm a fine art. <laughs> it's you know, it really it's almost a competition. Actually. I've noticed. I don't know. My my art, my sarcasm art is more like kindergarten level. But. Look, and, and here, uh, I, I'm going to mention that we we are quite willing to debate religion with you, but I don't know if you'll like us come the end of it. Yeah, it's fine, man. <laughs> if I've always thought that if I can't defend what I believe, then what the hell do I believe? So it's like, for example. Um, People are surprised when they speak to me to find out how much I know about other religions. Like I can tell you about, uh, you know, all the different branches of Christianity and the evangelicals and the Calvinists, can you? And the Arminists and the soteriologists. The yeah, Puritans don't ever do that. The, the no, 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 no. Hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, because no, because I'm I'm just going to say a couple of um, ones here. Apostolic Christian. Yeah, so that's a. If I remember correctly, that is a Presbyterian branch. Um, sort of, it's, apostolics is a little bit odd when it comes to what it actually is. Um, the, they're all a little bit odd. A basically, <laughs> yeah, um, they, they, they're not as bad about technology as some of your branches of Christianity, but they believe that you should only use technology if you need it in order to be able to interact with, you know, modern day. So while they might not have a they might have a TV. They're only going to use it for like weather. Okay. <laughs> While they might have a car, they're only going to use that car to just, get back and forth to just work. Just shoot me now. Yeah. It, <laughs> but mean, um, on. moving on from that, here's another one for you. Let's move on from that. Let's move on from that. One more. One more. How about universalists? Do you know what universalists are? Yeah. So I, they are, if I remember correctly, they're congregationalists. Um, no. I'm a congregationalist. No. Universalists are actually interesting in that there's multiple types of different universalists, including Christian okay. universalists, which are called um, uh, utilitarian universalists, if I remember okay. correctly. Okay. And then um, there's also another branch of universalists that say that basically nobody's right, hence everybody is. But it's a conversation for another time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it sure is. Like when I'm yeah. not here. What about your family, Majid? <laughs> uh, so I am... Um, uh, I'm married, got three kids, um, got an elderly mother, got, I sometimes wonder if my, uh, life is a bit of a, uh, my family life is like a bad Bollywood film, do you know what I mean? The guy that sold With dancing Erna. or without it? Unfortunately, <laughs> without dancing and without the good looking girls, unfortunately. Believe it or not, Yikes. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because you know, it's like I've got I've got the I've got the elderly mother who's you know soldiering on on herself. I've got the middle aged sister refusing to get married. I've got the uh, wife from another continent. I've got the three. It's it's just it's just like a bad Bollywood film with not enough music and dancing and not enough totty. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? Right, there should yeah. be some good. I think there should at least be some good looking girls around, but there's not even that. Yeah, you watch the uh, guild. <laughs> so um but yeah no I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to complain I, you know I'm 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 I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very lucky um, you said you have <laughs> choke it kids. out man what you got <laughs> no I am I am lucky because I I see some of the um 
there is a because obviously I do, as I said, I do a lot of pediatric work, and I see some of the the kids and some of the broken homes that they come from, and I think to myself, <sighs> oh, I, I can complain as much as I fucking well want to. Pardon my language. I can complain as much as I want to, yeah, but some, you know. We'll be marking this one explicit. No, let me. <laughs> you you would be a very very rich person if you were to move to the U.S. as a pediatric anesthesiologist. Yeah, you basically would do just fine. Anyone that works in pediatrics, sitting at the end of the table watching YouTube well. videos and monitoring the, the. My daughter has a schwannoma um, that's on basically um the sheath of her eye so it's right next to her brain can't can't be worked on or anything like that but she has been in and out of um pediatric hospitals for various treatments and things like that and those guys make bank here yes Uh, i i i have heard that The, the only problem is is that they don't recognize uk training and so I'd have to start all the way from the beginning again. And like, I'm too old to start that again, man. I'm not doing nights again. I'm not doing all those weekends again. Well, you did say that things were changing up a little bit and, and, um, you might only have to do a portion of that, like some type of recertification. I don't think you'd have to redo the entire education. I, I mean, I, I know if you go to Canada, that is basically the way that people get to Canada. They get there and, you know, uh, they'll, they'll be on some kind of license for the first two years and then it will be, then they would be the exactly same as they were in uh, well, the UK, but that's kind that of might be true for medical pr- professionals in Canada, but it's definitely not for likes of engineering professionals. Uh, all, the, the, everything's different everywhere, isn't it? And yeah. especially also because well, my, my wife like is Canada Canadian and America and have I different sort of states which have different feel rules. I'm as well. half Canadian myself, but yeah, they're, which they're, half? Um, the okay. left half. <laughs> <laughs> definitely the left half. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah and uh, my son my eldest he also wants to be a doctor um and i mean even though actually i was actually trying to convince him not to because <laughs> i was kind so of... i have to ask um is your mother upset that you're an anesthesiologist and not a neurosurgeon no 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 she's more than happy that i'm an she's, she's actually my then that's not a bollywood film if it's yeah. not a Bollywood film, if she's not upset that you're not a neurologist instead, instead of an anesthesiologist. Yeah, no, no. I mean, why couldn't uh, you go into these other these other things like your brother overseas? He does he does everything right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. horrible. Was it? Yeah, that was, it was, that was accent, I wasn't yeah. ready. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the funny one is my son because my, <clears> uh, my, I, my son was thinking about going to medicine and I was saying, look, man, look into something else. It is quite a hard life. You know, I spent 10 years, you know, more than 10 years, 15 years, probably 12 in total, actually yeah, 12, um, you know, doing the nights, doing the weekends, doing the exams at the same time as, you know, having a young family and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, do you really want to do that? And then my mother just basically went and went, look, son, your dad is a doctor. Your granddad was a doctor. We are doctor family. So you should be doctor. And this dumbass went, okay. <laughs> so he's trying to get into medicine now he's 18 despite the strike that's ongoing yeah well good luck for for him on that i, I you know have, i suppose it's good to have a uh, drive and you know an idea of what you want to be i mean you know mm-hmm. uh, sometimes uh, we could talk to you all day we're getting up close to three hours oh, sorry, oh i'm loving so. the, I'm, i am loving this conversation yeah and, this and, and finally uh, somebody interesting on the show <laughs> well, yeah well we've <laughs> talked to each other so much yeah uh see, so this yeah is what i mean by that i'm atypical you see that you know i'm not what most people think people well, who kind of see me on the screen 
If you don't remain on the show, we will be very angry. I can relate to that. I'm a truck driver that gets into Linux, so um, it's a lonely life being interested. I'm so stereotypical, it kind of hurts, okay? Yeah, I can see the pain in your face. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there is pain in his face, but probably not over that. Oh. (laughs) All right. I suppose we ought to move move on. We don't want to, but let's do it. Uh, Get this show on the road. Uh, vibrations from the ether. There is none. There you go. Write the show, folks. Medcast at medcast.org. Um, comment on the website. Hit us up on the socials. You know, we're everywhere. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Give us ideas of top topics you want to hear about. Um, we will talk about anything that you want us to talk about. Literally. Including cricket, sadly. Just now. <laughs> Uh, Moving on to check this out. Check your Wi-Fi signal strength from the command line with Wavemon. Wavemon. I Wavemon. Do you Wavemon? God say it, okay, man. Aye. That was Bill, another terrible accent, and accent, you should be ashamed. Bill, just stop with the accent. Just stop. I'm, I'm usually good at look, this. But... Look, look, you, you can do a country accent, okay? You can do a redneck accent. You can do a hillbilly accent. I'm not taking this abuse. Let's move on. <laughs> from, from OMG Linux via Londoner. Oh, it might be worth reading then. Um, Wavemon is a wireless device monitoring application that allows you to watch signal and noise levels, packet statistics, device configurations, and network parameters of your wireless network hardware. It should work through varying, uh, through though with varying features with all devices supported by the Linux kernel. So no Broadcom. Um, This free open source tool has a neat in-curses-based UI that shows a real-time graph of signal strength for the wireless network you're currently connected to. While this tool won't make your Wi-Fi faster or coax signal into network dark spots, it will allow you to see a whole host of information at a glance, including link quality, signal-to-noise, packet statistics, Wi-Fi config, and network info and there's a uh screenshot kind of a screenshot of it you know it it looks kind of akin to htop or something like that i will mention that um i usually use like wi-fi analyzer yeah for this and then it's just to see what bands are being used up there's Uh, another line of text below this yeah it's captioned below version 0.9.1 is available in the uh, Mint Ubuntu repos. A, le- a later version, 0.9.4, is available from the developer on GitHub. I assume you have to have a Wi-Fi adapter for this to work, too. Probably would help. It's kind of hard to measure your Wi-Fi without Wi-Fi. Well, like my desktop here is hooked up with Ethernet. so Mine, too. But I do have a Wi-Fi card in this thing. About as useful as a screen door on a submarine. <laughs> See, that's a proper accent for you. 
<sighs> Almost a NASCAR accident. I can't, I can't buy respect anymore. I'll tell you what. Housekeeping and announcements. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mintcast. If you see something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us an email at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram and Discord or post directly at mintcast.org. Next episode will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Sunday, April 30th, 2023. And there's a link in the show notes to get that converted to your time zone. Next roundtable live stream will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Saturday, April 22nd, 2023. And there's a link to get that converted to your time zone. Live stream information is at mintcast.org slash live stream. To wrap up, Joe, where can we find you at? Well, I'm on a couple other shows. Um, you can catch me on TLLTS. That's the Linux Link Tech Show, TLLTS.org, or the Linux Lugcast, linuxlugcast.com. You can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org, or you can buy me a coffee on Kofi. Link in the show notes. Moss? Well, you can hear me every week on Full Circle Weekly News, every four to five weeks on Distro Hopper's Digest. My email is bardmoss at pm.me. I'm on Mastodon at Zyvala at hosttux.social, and I've got other contact information available at itsmoss.com. Bill? Well, you can email me, bill at mintcast.org. I'm bill underscore h on Discord, at wchauser3 at Fostodon on Mastodon, and then I'm also at wchauser3 at, on Twitter and Facebook. And then also check out my other podcasts, Linux OTC and Three Fat Truckers. Majid? So I'm, you can email me on drmajid.mincast.org. I'm at Atypical Doctor on Twitter, Atypical Anesthetist on Instagram, and the Atypical Anesthetist podcast on Spotify. Links in the show notes. And Chris couldn't be with us. Um, he was supposed to be our other new guy. Hopefully we'll get a chance to uh, pass him around like a peace pipe next week. Um, before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Uh, someone for doing the audio editing. I have. A, it's Bill right now. I, I have a feeling it's going to be me. Um, thanks, Bill. <laughs> gee, thanks. And Co. And Co. <laughs> <laughs> Archive.org for hosting our audio files, Hobstar for our logo, and it RD for the animated Discord logo, Londoner for our time sinks, among a whole lot of other things. Um, me, I, yeah, me for hosting the server in which runs our website, website maintenance, and the next cloud server on which we host our show notes and raw audio. Last but not least, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about each fortnight. Thanks, Clam. Thanks, Clam. Thanks, Clam. And, and Co. <laughs> ah, Jinx. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at 
podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The Movie.